Salutations. Welcome to Pod Mortem. I'm Renee Hunter Vasquez, joined as always by my co-host, my husband and my brother. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. Hi, I'm Travis Hunter. This week, we are recording live from a lavish mansion in Beverly Hills discussing the 1992 dark comedy horror film, Death Becomes Her. This film was directed by Robert Zemeckis and written by Martin Donovan and David Kep. Despite receiving harsh critical reviews, including two thumbs down from Siskel and Ebert, Death Becomes Her pioneered special effects practices that would go on to be used in major blockbusters. With a script that remains playful despite addressing serious themes such as vanity, jealousy, and our society's obsession with youth, and a fully committed performance from a legendary cast, Death Becomes Her has since found its home in the hearts of fans as a cult classic. This film was recommended to us by friends of the show and Wendigo Getters, Brittany Ramatar and Anthony Jerome M. We appreciate them for their friendship, their support, and for their suggestion. So, what did you guys think about Death Becomes Her the first time you saw it? So, uh, I don't really remember the first time I seen this movie, but I know I was a kid. Uh-huh. This is super funny. Like, I- this movie... <laughs> I I don't care if it comes on TV or if it's a, I will watch it mm-hmm. like or I'll pay attention to it or catch little whatever of it. Um, but this movie's great. Um, watching it for the show, and I know we talked about it a little earlier, but this is legit a B horror movie with a big budget <laughs> and an all star cast. That's absolutely right. Like this <laughs> totally, mo- yeah. yeah, this movie is right up my ass, and oh. I fucking <laughs> I loved it. This was this was great. I don't. I, I. I won't even lie to you. I can't even think of really anything bad I can say. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. We'll. We'll find it. We'll right, figure right, it out. Right, right. Y'all will find it. Yeah. <laughs> I will not be finding it. It's hard. I think um, partially because not only is it great on its own, right? But we, Nay and I, Mom had this on all the time, all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's got a great nostalgic pull to right, it right 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 and i just think that when you add that to a great movie it's really hard to even t- want to try to dig into mm-hmm. the negative shit but i think that it's like genuinely hilarious yes. oh yeah i think it's darkly like satirical in a way uh-huh. for sure that i don't think that i caught on to when i was a kid yeah mm-hmm. i think that one thing that hit me this time more than anything is knowing robert zemeckis and knowing where he was at in his career at the time, right? Mm-hmm. And knowing the show that he was executive producing at the time, mm-hmm. this feels like. And I thought I arrived at this independently, but I'll tell you <laughs> something ridiculous about it. But this feels like a long form episode of Tales from the Crypt, for sure. And through that lens, watching it, I was like, this could have been a Tales from the Crypt movie, yeah, for them, right? But whenever I watched the trailer. They put the Tales from the Crypt theme in the trailer. Uh, and I was like, hilarious. well, I guess I, was, uh, I, didn't, I wasn't wrong. I didn't watch the trailer and I did read that there are parts of the film that got completely cut that are still in the trailer. Yeah. Char- whole huh. characters, because there was another ending, which right, we'll right. get into. It's never been visually released, mm-hmm. but they've said what it was supposed to be. Okay. But there's characters from that ending that got completely cut that are in the trailer from yeah. what huh. I read. And I think that the ending they have here is better than that one. Definitely. Like by a mile. Yeah. It's funny to me because they did, you had said in your intro about the two thumbs down or whatever. Uh And I know we're not supposed to speak. (laughs) (laughs) Again, (laughs) ill of of the the dead. dead. But I'm sorry, dude. Like I, look, 
I completely respect anyone's opinion on a film. Right, right. If you don't like a film, that's totally fine. Yeah. But specifically for that, fuck e- Ebert and Roper. <laughs> yeah. Like just them, just them. If you don't like it, I love you. It's fine. Yeah. Cisco. And him. Well, did I say Roper? Yeah, you did. Yeah. Well, I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think Roper's still alive, so I yeah. we can talk you all can the shit we want. <laughs> I I mean I can see how people wouldn't like this movie because of how silly it is. Yes, but at the same time, it's like there's there's I I personally don't get a Tells from the Crypt vibe from this. Really? Uh, yeah, at all. And I loved Tells from the Crypt as a kid. I loved it. I that's surprising to me because this is that like I said, I I read more evil dead in this than I do anything else. Mm. Like I like if you told me that Sam Raimi did this shit or whatever, I'd be like, <laughs> okay, maybe it was a side project or <laughs> something. Like because it's very it's very, very comedy heavy. It is. And it but it's it fits everything that happens to me so perfect. Like th- every event that happens, I was like, this is fucking great. I was like, there's, I mean, yeah, like you said, there is subject matter that, you know what I mean? There are like things that happen that that's going on that's terrible, uh-huh. but it's still funny. You know what I mean? And it's like, am I supposed to be laughing at this? Well, I oh, am. no. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> I, I am. But I, I, I did. Uh, that's very, very interesting to know about the Tales from the Crypt thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool, though. I can, I guess now I can kind of see it, but I didn't get that at all watching this. It didn't hit me until this time because we had watched more Tales from the Crypt recently. Okay. And I was like, this feels like almost as if like the series was ending and they were like, well, let's do a film to cap it yeah. off. Okay. And it was Death Becomes Her. That's what it felt like to all me. Right. But And in all fairness, though, I haven't watched the Tales from the Crypt episode since I was 12. Oh, shit. So I That's mean, a little while. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's sometimes bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, anybody who knows me knows that. I fucking love this movie. Right. This is one of my favorite movies ever. Um, I'm sure, like you said, part of it has to do with the fact that as kids, we watched it all the time. Mm-hmm. I remember watching this all the time with my mom and also watching She-Devil oh. all the time. Oh, yeah, She-Devil. And That's I just funny. remember thinking that Meryl Streep was both the most glamorous mm-hmm. and the meanest woman on the planet. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just the weirdly obsessed with her because <laughs> these characters are just... She's so fucking funny in oh, this. Yeah. Goldie Hawn is so fucking mm-hmm. funny in this. The fact that Bruce Willis plays this character is just be we were talking about it this morning before you know off mic yeah on paper he is one of the last people that i would have been no, like yeah. no he could play Ernest. yeah like but he does it so well <laughs> he he's does. so fucking funny well didn't he already he had like i think two diehard films under his belt it's mm-hmm. just it's such so a like, yeah. really? it's such a departure it is yeah. it was supposed to be kevin klein and Which that, I could see, that but I could definitely yeah, see yeah. more than Bruce, but I'm so glad it was Bruce Willis. I mm-hmm. could, but I think Bruce did a fantastic job. I yeah, want to say was... Jeff Bridges read for it too. Really? Yeah. I don't know about <laughs> yeah. Jeff Bridges. I love Jeff Bridges. <laughs> yes, yes. But I, I love that. So. That's interesting. Yeah. But, um, in, all, in all fairness, Bruce Willis did play a talking baby, didn't he? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, so, I mean, he's not—he's not always he's, climbing through vents. Yeah, he's, he's been known. Um, I did what really struck me this time watching it because I'm like, there's no way I'm gonna watch this even critically and love it any less than right. I do. Mm-hmm. But the script really stood out to me because mm. it is so sharp. Right. It's so witty and quick. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you there, there's so many subtle jokes too that if you're mm-hmm. not paying attention, you'll miss them or you'll get them when you watch it a st- like it's just it's so sharp. 
I uh, had said it was written by Martin Donovan and David Kep. Mm-hmm. David Kep, I was looking through IMDb and some of his the screenplays that he's written. Right. If I may, uh, Jurassic Park. Really? Oh, which interestingly, special effects techniques that they came up with for Death Becomes Her yeah. were used in Jurassic Park. Okay. So that's pretty fucking yeah. amazing if i'm not mistaken they had the same special effects guy yeah as jurassic park and dean cundy who i yes. love yes the cinematographer did both yeah oh nice um, but he also did stir of echoes the first toby <laughs> mcguire spider-man and secret window he wrote the Damn. screenplay for all of those he's busy he's yeah. busy and talented i, I was like so. holy shit but yeah i there's nothing um i'm not trying to tip my my hand too early but i this is pretty much a perfect film for me uh it gives everything it's supposed to give it's dark it's hilarious the cast is just no yeah every time i watch them like i can't believe it's like it was made for me that's what i feel like (laughs) i will say in you saying that uh I know I've said it before that watching movies for the show kind of hurts it sometimes. Yeah. That was the complete opposite with yeah. this movie. <laughs> I fucking love this movie more now working on it for the show. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is way better than I remember. <laughs> and and I know you've watched it with Ari before oh, a couple of times. Uh, yeah, and I've many seen times. It and I've watched it with you and... Like, it's not like it's been a long time since I seen this movie, but yeah. having to stop and take notes and like pay attention. I was like, this is fucking great. I was like, this is shit <laughs> I didn't even pay attention to. Or you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And to hear or miss. I was like, this is fucking fantastic. Well, when you have to be dialed in like this, yeah. you notice way more. And this does end up being even more enjoyable. Yeah. Yes. Somehow yeah. against all odds. One thing that I will say that kind of made me feel like ridiculous is that it took me until this time to understand the title death becomes her yeah. it was this week that you were like, yeah, oh, like my god. oh my god that's what i mean because i don't know if you guys know this but if somebody has a really nice outfit yeah. you say that outfit becomes you yeah. right and so like if if uh, like death yeah <laughs> now before we hurt this film on purpose we would like to issue a warning for spoilers Podmortem is a very in-depth podcast, and in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, then bottoms up. So I did forget to say in the intro that this is my birthday movie. Hey. I mean, my birthday was last week, but we, it's fine. Yeah, it's we'll, okay. we'll pretend that Rosemary's Baby, we switched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. yeah. It's June 20th right now. Happy birthday, Nate. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> But the film opens with the theme, and I did want to call out the theme, which I absolutely love. It was done by Alan Silvestri, Mm -hmm. and it has this very Danny Elfman, playfully dark vibe. I just, I love it. It hit me right in the nostalgia. Yes. And I didn't even, I know that I love this movie, but the second that song hit, I was like, fuck. Yeah. (laughs) No, we're in. We're back. Yeah. But the theme plays over the credits, and we get the title card before we come in on the backdrop of a city. So I know we had, it doesn't matter. Becomes, who, yeah. yeah. doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter who just realized what the title meant or yeah. who didn't know. <laughs> but I did want to talk about a couple of titles that I saw in an interview with Bruce Willis that he had suggested for the film. One of them <laughs> is like totally like, all right. And the other one is fucking hilarious. <laughs> all right. So the first one that he came up with was It's Death, Baby, which... <laughs> 
is very Bruce Willis. <laughs> it is very Bruce right? Willis and kind of has like an old Hollywood feel exactly. too. So like and, I can see that. And this movie has an old Hollywood yeah, feel. Yeah, yeah, I could, I could. Not for that. It's not, it's not, <laughs> not the best that. title. Yeah. But well, <laughs> well, if you're not a fan of that one, <laughs> the second one was My Man Death. <laughs> All right, on my head out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like death is a character no. in this film. So it's death baby, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we get text that reads Broadway, 1978, and we pan down the city to the marquee of the Fairbanks Theater. Madeline Ashton in Songbird. As we pan down to the doors, people are walking out in disgust. <laughs> A couple is relieved that they both wanted to leave and disbelief that they made a musical version of Sweet Bird of Youth, which I guess is a movie where an aging starlet is like trying to grasp onto her career. And mm. I mean, it's very probably dark. Topical. Than, yeah. it, it shouldn't be a musical, no, no, no. <laughs> but it's a, it fits the theme of Death Becomes Her. Right. Mm-hmm. But another woman says, Madeline Ashton, talk about waking the dead. But they all stomp past discarded playbills with Madeline Ashton on the cover, abandoned on the sidewalk and drenched in the pouring rain. We zoom in on her photo and it transitions to the stage. <laughs> <laughs> John Paul was watching this, taking notes yesterday, and I had to come in here just to watch this performance. <laughs> well, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I will admit this performance is a little self-indulgent. Incredibly so. I think but, that's how I describe it in my okay. script. <laughs> this is not something to walk out on. I would, no, no, I would no, say. Yeah, Jump I was like, why are they so upset? They're like, Jesus uh, Christ. Yeah, like I'm, leaving. Like we're staying, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, she fucking brings it. It's yeah, a de- I, to I, me, it is a delight. And it only gets more and more ridiculous. Yeah. For sure. It's the ooh, better. Ooh. Yeah. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> like, better, no. you mean. Yeah. yeah well. <laughs> <laughs> But Madeline Ashton herself, played by the incomparable Meryl Streep, performs for the crowd. She sits in front of a false mirror, slowly singing about self-reflection, but stands and walks over to a long staircase. The tempo picks up and the song becomes a self-centered, self-indulgent anthem as she sings about being obsessed with herself, basically. She dances with male backup dancers who sing to only echo her sentiments and spin her around in reverence. Right, right. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) we pan from the stage where they still perform to the audience where people are leaving in droves. (laughs) We pan past them and other people sleeping in the audience to see Helen Sharp, played by Goldie Hawn, and her fiance, Dr. Ernest Minville, played by Bruce Willis. Helen stares at the stage with no expression, but is surprised when she looks over at Ernest and he is transfixed. He mutters to her, she's sensational. (laughs) (laughs) Is is it just me, but the fact that his name is Ernest Minville? Uh, Minville is funny. That's hilarious, right? Um, I read that the names were kind of a play because it's Madeline, Helen, and Ernest. Uh And mad earn hell, madder than hell. It's It's a joke. That's not a good one. Yeah. I was like, why do you look disappointed? Because they, yeah, that, they you, lost you me on that one. <laughs> I mean, they're just names. I mean, there are... There, there was are, no hidden meaning. No, there are much better jokes in the film. Yeah. <laughs> it's death, baby. <laughs> My man, death. But we go back to the stage where they are still tearing it up. The song ends with the men lifting Madeline up in the air and her striking a pose. People get up from their seats to leave, but Ernest jumps to his feet, applauding loudly and cheering. 
Reluctantly, Helen gets to her feet and joins him, but much less enthusiastically. That was fantastic. Yeah, I don't have a problem. <laughs> it took you through like music, like there was some funk yeah, parts. Was there was man. felt like disco. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's to hate? I don't. It was a journey. Yeah. It was a journey for sure. But in her dressing room after the show, Madeline inspects her face closely in the mirror, muttering, "Wrinkled, wrinkled little star. Hope they never see the scars." Her assistant, Rose, played by Nancy Fish, comes in with flowers and tells her that her guest, Helen Sharp, is here with a gentleman. Lining her lips, Madeline rudely asks how Helen looks, calling Rose an idiot when she has to reiterate her question. So it's like immediately we know who Madeline yeah. is. Yeah, it's pretty clear. Yes. But when Rose says that Helen looks smart and classy, Madeline's like, compared to who? There's a knock on the door and Madeline shoes Rose away to go answer it, but stops her before she can open it. She turns in her chair, draping her fluffy white robe over her shoulders to expose her cleavage and practices a surprised expression before allowing Rose to finally open the door. I fucking love that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yes, prepare for somebody coming over. It's like, fuck. It was funny enough that she went and got the girls ready for school. She did. But then <laughs> she did. When she was practicing the gasp, I'm like, man, Meryl Streep is in a league of her own. Yeah. She is, oh, no. Yeah. That's why I had to say incomparable. Yeah. She's, yeah, all by herself up there. But annoyed, Rose opens it to reveal Helen standing there. Madeline executes her surprised reaction and rushes over to greet her. They call each other mad and hell as they embrace. And Madeline gives Helen a big kiss on the cheek, leaving her red lipstick behind. Okay, just a couple things. You perform how you practice. So that gasp mm -hmm. was great. It was. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I got to admit the the mad and hell bit. I don't like it only because you don't. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> because I think that some some names defy nicknames. Like I understand Mad perfectly. I've never met a Helen that's like call me Hell. <laughs> like that's a yeah, lot. No, I'd go yeah. by Hell. Well, that's because you're a demon. <laughs> we have to <laughs> we have to establish that they're old friends. Yeah, by cutting off two letters. Yeah, yes. but yeah, I don't. I guess. Do you remember there was an episode of Roseanne where like Darlene had done something nice for Becky and. And she was like, here you go, Beck. And she goes, thanks, Dar. Yeah. Like, you've never fucking said that. Yeah, you've never said that. <laughs> and it sounds terrible. And I hope you never say it again. <laughs> but they agree it's been so long since they've seen each other. But Madeline tells her not to dare say how long before getting distracted by Ernest as he walks in, still applauding her quietly. Helen introduces him as her fiance and the two shake hands for an extended period of time as Ernest continues to gush about how great she was in the show. Madeline recognizes his name, though, as a renowned plastic surgeon that she's read about. Helen looks back and forth between the two of them and says that she never knew Ernest had such a Madeline Ashton thing. And Madeline's like, oh, I'm sure it's not a thing. Is it? See, <laughs> <laughs> your buddy's right oh, there. Right in yeah. front of her. Like, what the fuck? That is unacceptable. But instead of replying, Ernest just stares back at her dumbstruck. Feigning as though she's trying to remember what Helen does, Madeline asks how the writing is going. Helen admits that she's still trying, but Ernest talks her up as a brilliant writer. But Madeline takes this opportunity to correct that it's Miss when he calls her Mrs. Mm. Then leaning in close, she asks Ernest if he thinks she's starting to need him. Helen is like, <clears throat> and steps <laughs> next to Ernest and Madeline backs off. Okay, so with friends like these, right? Absolutely. No, this right. is like lemon squares to the max. <laughs> I was appalled, shocked right. and appalled by her behavior. Yet you're not as angry. I no. love I love Madeline Ashton. <laughs> <Ashton. laughs> 
I think like my thing is again we've talked about this a lot but why even have a friend like this yeah <laughs> like this is is this fr- is this frenemy is this what this, this is, is a frenemy yeah. for sure why would you ever have one uh, you got me yeah. I barely like I'm fortunate to have a few friends yeah, yeah that's fine period yeah, yeah that's fine but drinking her champagne madeline asks if they set a date for the wedding helen immediately answers yes but ernest is like no and trails off and then the two just look at each other why is there miscommunication is he already trying to weasel yeah. yes <laughs> he's under the spell ernest yeah but it cuts to a closed eye magnified and marked for operation with the scalpel hovering above it We pan up to see that Ernest is operating on it. He comments on all the blood after he's made his incision and calls for assistance in cleaning it up, but is distracted by a tapping on the operating room door. I was like, how are you in here? Yeah, (laughs) this is beyond. (laughs) He looks up and Madeline is standing there holding flowers, a bottle of champagne and two glasses. He raises his hand to wave at her, his gloved fingertips stained with blood. So that is one thing like there's a surprising amount of like things in this film Mm -hmm. that you would think would make it an R rated film. Right. Yeah. And this being PG-13 still surprises the shit out of me. Agreed. (laughs) We'll get to more, but holy shit. Yeah. (laughs) They pushed that rating. Yeah. Yeah. But that night at home, Helen twists a napkin in her hands as Ernest tries to explain that it was just a business dinner. She tells him that he doesn't understand. Madeline wants him because he's hers. And this is what she always does. She turns on her flash and glitter and the man is just gone. Ernest paces as Helen admits that this is why she wanted him to meet Madeline before the wedding. She needed to know if he could pass the Madeline Ashton test. She begs him, please don't fail because she can't take that again. She doesn't know what she would do. I got to say, her doing that at all was very misguided. Yeah, I was going to say, why did you do that in the first (laughs) place? Well, if you knew it was a possibility, why are you doing it? She needed to know that he would be strong enough. Sometimes it's good. I mean, sometimes it's good not to know. Or maybe just don't ever see Madeline Ashton again. I mean, that's also an option. You guys clearly don't really like each other. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, it feels like one of those hall pass situations where somebody chooses a celebrity and then someone chooses the mailman or whatever. It's like, that's not 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 But in in this case, the celebrity is like the mailman because she fucking knows them. It's a horrible, horrible idea. (laughs) Not that this is her fault at all. No. But I think it was a bad idea. I mean... It was, and we'll, we'll see why. <laughs> All right. But Ernest sits next to Helen after her cat hops away. He holds her hands, which are still gripping and twisting the napkin, and puts it plainly, I have absolutely no interest in Madeline Ashton. We immediately cut to church doors opening as the wedding march plays. Out comes Ernest with his blushing bride, Madeline Ashton. <laughs> Come on, Bruce. <laughs> what <Yeah>. the fuck? <laughs> I got- it's just the abrupt cut. Yeah. Like, I got to be honest. They, I don't even know if there's a name for this, but I put it in my notes as the punchline edit. Yeah. yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they have some of the best in this yes, film absolutely. I've ever seen. But the two stop and share a passionate kiss before walking outside. Coming down the stairs behind them, though, is Helen. Her eyes fill with tears as she grips and twists her napkin so hard that blood begins to pour from her hand. When I was a kid, I thought, like, if you did that with any napkin, it could happen. I don't know. <laughs> Make the so, napkin bleed. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait, so these are filled with... Yeah, but- <laughs> Holy shit. So I never squeeze the napkin. I was like, you, you still don't use napkins. No, I don't. I'm afraid of them. <laughs> But we cut to Helen's house seven years later and we see an ass bent over in front of a TV. 
The woman puts in a VHS and we follow her as she walks away through a disheveled home full of snacks, clawed up furniture and dozens of cats. She kicks over trash and opens a cabinet to reveal another cat meowing inside. I mean, in some ways, she's living the life. See, in uh, other, I was going to say, ways, uh, <laughs> I don't know. She's fucking being herself. Uh, she's got, got her a house full of cats. She can eat what she wants. I mean, she can, she can, she can but she shouldn't. Well, yeah. um, I don't think that there's a lot of nutritional value in what she's about to eat. But I, I hope it's part of a balanced breakfast. <laughs> But aside from the cat, the entire cabinet is stocked with cans of frosting. She ponders for a moment before picking one up. And when she turns around, digging into the frosting with her fingers before putting them in her mouth, we see that it is Helen, nearly unrecognizable from the woman that we met earlier. So she's just been living off frosting? I mean, she was stocked up. Yeah, those cabinets were full of frosting. She was stocked up. You think the cats are also eating yeah, frosting? I, I hope not. I didn't see I'm any. I'm worried. <laughs> I think that this is just the beginning of how great the makeup is in this film. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, the suit that they made for her, it actually fits pretty seamlessly. Yeah. yeah. Kind of surprising. Again, that's it's going to come up a lot. Kind of surprising for 1992. Mm-hmm. Yes. But it's uh, fantastic work. But she sits back down in her chair and starts her movie, of course, still eating the frosting. Someone bangs on the door and identifies themselves as her landlord. He tells her to open the door because he has her final eviction notice. It's like, well, I'm definitely not opening the door yeah. now. Oh, yeah. You <laughs> should have got me open it. Yeah, you should have no, said you had more frosting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> frosting delivery. <laughs> Ooh. Boom. Yeah. But Helen ignores this completely and just turns up the sound on her movie. He tells her that if she doesn't open the door, he's breaking it down. On the screen in the film, someone opens a door and Madeline Ashton turns around demanding to know what he's doing. While she's turned and looking at the first man, another man comes up behind her and starts to strangle her. Helen smiles as the man strangles Madeline until she slowly and dramatically dies. It takes a great actor to be a A bad bad, actor. (laughs) I'm telling you, man, Meryl Streep, she's fucking the queen. But the she's fucking the queen. She is the queen. <laughs> but the landlord, now with the assistance of police officers, continue to pound on the door. But Helen just rewinds the death scene. The officers finally break her door down and grab her from her chair. But Helen just keeps rewinding. She holds on to the doorframe as they're carrying her out, smiling as she watches Madeline's death one more time before she allows them to take her away. That was a lot for an eviction. It was. I mean, <laughs> I mean she had the door barricaded with yeah. something. And I, come on. I mean, you know there was I mean? like four or five police yeah. officers. Yeah. Team. Yeah. <laughs> swarm, swarm, swarm. <laughs> <laughs> I do have to say that the last note of like her death music yeah. with her smile as she's leaving. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. That's a chef's kiss. But in the next scene, Helen is in group therapy in a psych ward. The psychologist, played by Alana Reed Hall, looks at Helen's file before lowering it to reveal her sitting in her chair and twisting a napkin. They do another shot. Like, there's a lot of shots at this point in the film mm-hmm. that are just kind of updating you on the status of Helen's ass. ass? Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's right in the chair. Yeah. It's like, all right, we. And I was like, oh, this is 92 when having a big ass was bad. Yeah. You know what oh, I mean? So, so it's like, like, look at no, that. She's really yeah. let herself go, guys. <laughs> Everyone's like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kind of prefer that. Ass, but all right. To each their own. <laughs> 
But the psychologist reluctantly says that they haven't heard from Helen in a while and asks if there's anything she'd like to talk about. The other women, including Deborah Jo Rupp. Yeah, man. I, I was, was like, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> they all seem to brace themselves in anticipation of Helen's answer. But Helen maintains her dazed expression and tells the group, yes, she would like to talk about Madeline Ashton. The other women react viscerally, screaming and yelling, no. The psychiatrist cradles her head in her hand. In all fairness, she's got a lot to work through on that. She yeah. does have a lot to work through. And if they're, then why is this fucking group therapy? Yeah. Let's do a one-on-one. Like, Shut the fuck yeah. up. If it's clear that <laughs> this isn't welcome here, yeah. take me to the room. Right. Well, she does. Later, she takes Helen into her office and gives her tough love after slamming the door. Well, she takes her to the office and she's like, God damn it! Yeah. <laughs> that's not what you want to hear from your therapist. That's, that's how I give tough love. <laughs> you fucking was, kidding me, dude? Thought yeah. she was making progress. Like, nope. One step forward? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not in the training. Yeah, no. But she asks if this is really where they are after six months of therapy. Helen asks if she thinks that she enjoys talking about her. But the psychiatrist tells her that for any of them to ever have a life, she needs to erase Madeline from her mind. This brings Helen back to reality. She says, you're absolutely right. So one thing, I did think that it was horrible that the psychiatrist was like, and you haven't lost a pound since yeah. you got here. I'm like, I don't think that's in your <laughs> fucking business. <laughs> yeah. Personally. It's kind of out of line, but you know, it's 1992. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> that's all I can think. But also the fucking word choice. Don't say you have to eliminate her. Well, <laughs> like that's how you I mean, <laughs> she's like awoken a sleeper cell or yeah. something. <laughs> she's like, what's that? What's that now? <laughs> But in another seven years, we pan over to Madeline and Ernest's mansion in Beverly Hills. Now, this is a house you would steal someone's fiance for. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) A truck pulls up to the gates and announces a delivery for them. Inside, Rose climbs the massive staircase with sliced apples, tea, and an invitation. So the exterior of this house is a real house Uh in Beverly Hills. It's insane. It's amazing. What's even more amazing to me is that the interior is a set. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I never yeah, really, I, I feel like that. I'm no. always fooled <laughs> what's, what's a set well, and what's that not. That shows they're doing really good work. Yeah. <laughs> the production designer was a guy called Rick Carter. And if you look through his filmography, it is like Zemeckis, Zemeckis, Spielberg, Zemeckis, Zemeckis, Damn. Spielberg. Wow. Like he is fucking, I, I assume, very good friends with them. Yeah, yeah. But it is the production design that really shines in this to me because it has this vintage Hollywood feel. Uh huh. And then when you couple that with the way Dean Cundy shoots it, mm. it feels like old school Hollywood. It does. And it really, with the subject matter and everything, it probably shouldn't. <laughs> but it feels very like classic. Right, right. Not 1992. No, no. not at all. But Rose lets herself into Madeline's bedroom where Madeline sleeps propped up against pillows with a neck pillow and bandages around her head. Rose opens the shades and whispers to her that she looks marvelous as she wakes up. Madeline calls her over and asks if she's forgetting something. But Rose reminds her that it's only Thursday. She's like, you only told me to say it on. But Madeline's like, no, no, no. I think I need to hear it every day now. Rose rolls her eyes before delivering her line. Oh, Madeline, you look younger every day. John Paul, start saying that. Start saying that to me, everyone. Just you Thursday. Got it, boss. Yeah. 
I felt like, I mean, it doesn't count if you have to ask someone no, to say not at all. But Madeline thanks her. And when she gets her tray, we see that the delivery was tickets to Helen Sharp's book party. The book is titled Forever Young. And Madeline laughs her ass off, adding, and eternally fat. Come on, So the last 14 years have not changed you. (laughs) I did think like it took me until this time to realize that that was Rose still. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, dude, you know, she was your assistant or whatever. Yeah. And now she's, did you hear her breathing on her way up the stairs? (laughs) She shouldn't be doing this, man. Yeah. Like that's not right. That's not right for her. I I, I thought this. I was like, you're still with her. Yeah. Oh my god, right. damn. no. And I can't. I would be breathing the same way, yeah. so I can't well, say anything. She, but she gives a little sass back. I mean, not like one percent. It is one percent, but yeah. they understand each other clearly. Yeah. Hey, did you get tricked by that mirror shot? Because I, I did. did. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> when a mirror is clean, yeah, yeah. it's incredible. But Madeline also comments that Helen even sent seating assignments. She shifts her focus to the completely made other half of the bed and asks where Ernest slept last night. Rose just points upward. Madeline asks again. Next, Rose brings a tray to Ernest, who's passed out on the floor upstairs. His beeper's going off and Rose switches it off for him before waking him with the Bloody Mary. He throws the celery out of it onto the fucking ground right. and drinks it greedily before handing it back and asking for more vodka to be added to it. Hair of the dog. Uh, he ju- <laughs> yeah, you, you just woke up. Yeah. Now, I will say that as a kid, this made me really want to try a Bloody Mary. Mm. I don't know. I never did they're that. Good. Are <laughs> I they really? Yeah, they're good. I don't. They, I think Bloody Marys look like the opposite of everything I said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, and I think the only way that I, or the only reason that I allow the thought to try it to enter my brain Obviously, because of this movie, right? Right. But because the name is cool, it yeah. is cool. But the blood if it were is called what it is, juice, right? yeah, like right. What the fuck or D8 it? or something. Yeah, that's good. Mm, I'm good. Is <laughs> it is it good because the alcohol helps you forget that it's tomato juice or no? It plays well together. Oh, really? Yeah, it's good. Like a. But I I I, <laughs> I don't know. I enjoy I enjoy the V8. I like okay. Yeah, so, so it doesn't not bother a me. Deal breaker. Yeah. No. Okay. I'll have a vodka blush, please. (laughs) (laughs) Just don't spill it on the carpet. Don't spill it on the carpet. But he pulls himself up to his chair and asks, is it up yet? Rose says, yes, it's in the bath. God damn. (laughs) She tells him that Mr. Franklin was calling him on his beeper and Ernest throws a dart at his dartboard. He couldn't have missed more. No. (laughs) Missing completely. Does Ernest have the yips? Yeah, I was going to say, he's shaking like crazy. He can't. He's not doing what he used to do. All right. But later, dressed in a suit, he walks down the hall. Madeline steps out of the bedroom and screams for Rose, but sees that it's him and looks disappointed. She seems surprised that he's dressed, and he lifts his doctor's bag, saying that he's going to work. Madeline just calls him a ghoul before taking off. Why is he a ghoul? Yeah, I don't... Because Madeline's a fucking asshole. (laughs) (laughs) But Ernest arrives to work, but he parks next to a hearse. Mr. Franklin, played by William Frank Father, ambushes him immediately, thanking him for coming. He apologizes for calling him at the last minute, saying how much he hates the last minute. He tells Ernest that the patient is prepped and ready, but Ernest tells him that he'll be fine and he just needs to calm down. Instead of walking into a hospital, though, which is where he worked when we last Mm -hmm. saw him... Ernest and Mr. Franklin walk into a mortuary as Mr. Franklin says that the subject in question is an actor named Fernando Rivas. 
Inside, Ernest puts on his white coat and gloves, as Mr. Franklin explains further. The actor was found in a hot tub, bloated and swollen. He was having sex with his 18-year-old fiance and has an inappropriate expression of pure happiness on his face. Ernest dismisses this, saying that he'll see if he can give him some character and depth. He walks in to find Fernando Rivas's body on the table, and his face is indeed contorted and I mean, utter happiness. It is. <laughs> the orgasms. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the O's. <laughs> you know, uh, I was, again, plenty of jokes in this film that completely went over my head as a kid. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, well, why is he so happy to die? I'm <laughs> glad I didn't ask him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Mr. Franklin advises against Ernest giving him character and depth because people still need to recognize him. Which is hilarious yeah. and just a throwaway joke that gets yeah. no love. Yeah, yeah. That's a pretty good thing. Very fucking funny. I do have to call out because I'm me. I loved the lighting of the funeral parlor. Uh-huh. There's like a little pop of red. And then the second they get into the mortuary, it's like these harsh yellows. Right. Yeah. It's just such, it's so smart. <laughs> In another office, Madeline arrives for an appointment and she's buzzed in. She's greeted in a very thick French accent by Anna, played by Michelle Johnson. Anna leads her to a room, but they pass another room where a woman comes out seemingly holding a bowl of blood. And we get a peek inside and a man is up on this wheeled contraption and blood is either being pumped in or out of him. Yeah. I know, you only see it for a second, but they're doing some freaky shit. Yeah. In here. Now, this is uh, horrifying. Right. Yeah. But I know that they meant it satirically. Right, right. But they but, do this shit now. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing is this movie was so ahead of its time yeah. in a lot of ways. And that's definitely one of yeah. them. Because I'm like, like, oh, no, yeah, that's probably probably paid 300 bucks for that. Yeah, yeah dude. <laughs> And I was, because I mean, you see, I've seen like, there's pictures of like Kim Kardashian with like blood on her face and shit. Yeah. yeah. And nobody's like, um, (laughs) (laughs) excuse me. (laughs) What the hell is that? (laughs) We're just like, uh uh-huh. She's got great skin. No, it's a beauty treatment. (laughs) Right. Calm down. First of all. But. (laughs) Madeline tells Anna that she's got a very important event tonight but in the room Anna reminds her that the plasma separation that she wants is very traumatic to her body that's why their policy won't let them do more than one in a six month period but Madeline insists that it's basically already been six months but Anna's like you had one three weeks ago (laughs) (laughs) that's how I perceive time for sure I mean practically time is a flat circle yeah you know in all honesty it's getting me thinking now because if rich people will pay for my blood (laughs) (laughs) you can have it yeah because like I mean I don't even need a bag I'll make more I make my own yeah But Madeline rushes over to a mirror and Anna recommends a collagen buff. But Madeline's like, oh, a collagen buff? <laughs> She's yeah, such yeah. A fucking, I can't stand her, but I love her. But she says that it basically amounts to just telling her to wash with soap and water. She's pissed. She knocks a tray to the side as she goes from mirror to mirror and Anna follows her around. Madeline says that tonight is very important. And Anna's like, well, I'll do your makeup myself. Madeline turns on her in tears and said that makeup is pointless. It doesn't even do anything anymore. She yells at Anna for having 22 year old skin and tits like rocks and grabs. (laughs) Both of you reacted to that. Well, (laughs) it's giving 40 year old virgin vibes. I don't. So it's not like a bag of sand. Not no, that, no, no. But she grabs her. her he sounds like disappointed. No. But she grabs her purse and starts to leave. But she hesitates, offering to pay Anna personally. Money is no object. Anna like kind of falters, like she's open to the idea. 
But she doesn't say anything until a man appears out of nowhere on the couch behind her and makes his presence known by clearing his throat. This is Mr. Chagall, played by Ian Ogilvie. And in her shock and guilt, Anna completely loses her French accent and in a flat American one, apologizes profusely to Mr. Chagall. This place is bullshit. Yeah. It's complete bullshit. And I, it makes me laugh every single time. Like... <laughs> Because her her French accent is so flowery, and then she's yeah, like, yeah. "Oh, Mr. Chuck, like it's it, yeah. uh, it's so fucking funny." It's like, are you from Ohio? <laughs> <laughs> but Mr. Chagall just tells Anna that he doesn't want to see her anymore and to leave them alone as he shoes her from the room. Now that they're alone, Mr. Chagall stops Madeline when she tries to apologize. He tells her that he is sympathetic. They're mere mortals restricted by the laws of nature, which is kind of a weird thing to say. He's very creepy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's all right. <laughs> he's all right. <laughs> His right eye blinks wildly as he speaks and he raises a finger to it to get it to stop. He mentions Madeline's joke about money being no object and she insists that that was no joke. He coyly switches off the camera in the corner of the room and asks if she's ever heard of Liesel von Ruman. Madeline admits that she hasn't, and Mr. Chagall says that only a select group has, but she might be able to help her. It just hit me. Has he never heard a joke before? Yeah. <laughs> like, that thing that you said well, about he's, money he's, yeah. is really fucking <laughs> yeah. funny. He's trying to make sure. He's like, do you really mean that money is no object? Like, was that a joke? Or are we like, let's get are on we, the same yeah. page Tiptoeing around some <laughs> shit? Or? But he gives Madeline a card with the address and says that she accepts calls day and night. Madeline reaches for the card, but Mr. Chagall pulls it back, reminding her that it is a very select group before passing it to her. If it's so select, like he's just passing them out. Like yeah. he's, <laughs> well, he switched the camera. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, don't fucking tell you you got this for me. All right. He heard money and he's like, uh -huh. all right. His eye starts blinking again as he opens the door to leave. He tells her that he's glad this happened and thinks that they'll be seeing more of her. He covers his eye again before leaving and closing the door behind him. Madeline looks at the card for a moment before ripping it in half and dropping it into her purse, calling him a weirdo. Yeah. Well, I mean, you didn't need to tear the card, though. Well, no, but you know, it was dramatic. defiant. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just put a card in your purse. You got to fucking rip yeah. it in half. You got to call somebody a name. Yeah, like, I guess. Come on. <laughs> Madeline Ashton Way. We cut to Madeline and Ernest sitting in the back of a car facing away from each other, each looking out their own window. Ernest is breathing loudly from his nose and Madeline asks him, could you just not breathe? And he stops. <laughs> <laughs> his face is turning purple. <laughs> it made me think of Flanders with the right. yeah. breathe through your damn mouth. Because, <laughs> dude, I mean, and, and it, I think that that's the thing that really sucks about, like, I guess being a human yeah. is when you don't realize you're being annoying and then someone's like hey can you stop that and then you play it back and you're like, like oh, my oh my god, god. <laughs> i was really <laughs> i was breathing loud as god fuck. damn that was squeaky as shit <laughs> but they arrive at the event helen's book party and when madeline sees the crowd she snidely assumes that helen hired extras but they walk the red carpet to get inside Inside the party, Ernest sits at the bar drinking alone. A woman, Vivian Adams, played by Mary Ellen Trainer, comes in to order a drink and is amazed when she recognizes him. Did you recognize her? She seems so familiar and I couldn't place it. It's the, and all through the night. Fucking yeah. hell, of course. And I think Zemeckis directed that. I was like, oh shit. That's where it is. Okay. The Tales from the Crypt episode. 
with Santa. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, all right. That makes okay. But they shake hands and she says that they met a long time ago, but she never got the chance to thank him for the spectacular job he did on her aunt. He thanks her. She gushes on about the color and tone he was able to get, saying that it was almost a shame to bury her. We're going to put her on display here. I mean, (laughs) she fucking looked great. She asks what the secret is and Ernest tells her immediately, spray paint. Vivian looks appalled, but we pan over to Ernest as he continues to explain. You can't use makeup on dead skin. The pores are too dry. So one day at the hardware store, he thought to himself that he could use mannequin paint. He continues to go on about the variety of flesh-toned colors available, but realizes that Vivian is absolutely horrified. Don't ask. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't he said, ask. He said, what's your secret? Yeah. Spray Here's paint. my secret. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, heavens to Betsy. Like, come on. Did she look great or did yeah. she look great? Yeah. You said she yeah. looked great. Oh, Are you yeah. going to frame her corpse or not? I mean, you're I'm the just one saying. that didn't want to bury her. You're the freak. Yeah. Right. Coffee maker to a coffee table. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> you wanted to like have breakfast on her or whatever. <laughs> but I'm a weirdo. Yeah, yeah. but I'm crazy. <laughs> But Vivian excuses herself and leaves. Ernest finishes his drink and picks up another glass of champagne on his way over to Madeline. This scene is when I noticed the makeup on Bruce Willis. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I think my thing is that when I think of Bruce Willis outside of Pulp Fiction, I think of him later, you know, Sixth Sense. Right. That kind of Bruce Willis. And so he kind of looks like that. Yeah. But you forget that Bruce Willis right here is like 36 years old. 37 maybe. I read on American Film Institute that they had put him in the makeup chair every single morning for three hours. Damn. To get this look. Yeah. And the work that they do, because I I know it was a combination, uh, Industrial Lights and Magic did the digital and amalgamated dynamics we talked about on Tremors episode, Mm -hmm. Uh did a lot of the practical effects. But the makeup work that they do, because everybody, Meryl Streep has her age to look older yeah and bruce willis does but it's so seamless that even like when i was a kid i was like oh these are just how these actors look yeah it looks natural yeah it's uh really impressive that's one thing i was curious about how old they all were when they were doing this uh goldie hawn and meryl streep were both in their mid 40s yeah meryl streep was 43 and goldie hawn was 47 all right and then I said Bruce Willis is third. Now this is in '92, so it's probably subtract a year for '91 when right, they filmed it. Right, right, right. But none of them are. No. Yeah. It's impressive. It is. But Ernest asks if Madeline has seen Helen yet, and she tells him that she's not even here. But Ernest sees a woman standing in the middle of a crowd with her back to them. She looks remarkably like the Helen that we saw seven years ago. And Madeline, of course, starts to make fun of her. But the woman steps out of the way to reveal the real Helen. Did she pay a woman to wear her old clothes or something? <laughs> yeah, that, it looked just, it looked yeah. just like... <laughs> that's why they kept showing her from the back. Right. Oh, yeah. that's a They're good like, point. I know that ass yeah. anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but Helen looks younger than we've ever seen her, wearing a slinky red dress with big done-up hair and red lipstick. Madeline immediately tells Ernest that they're leaving, but he insists <laughs> that they go talk to her. Madeline stops him and says that she'll go talk to her. She walks slowly over to Helen, glaring at her until she turns back around to go back to Ernest. But the second she turns around, Helen breaks from her accolades and spots her. They again refer to each other as Mad and Hell, T's favorite, as Madeline pretends to be excited to see her and they hug. But as they hug, Helen stares at Ernest, who waves at her. 
it made me laugh that she was gonna leave. She's like, no, two seconds. Yeah. But it was also, and I'm obviously not giving anything away just yet, but there was a certain piece of jewelry that I noticed this time around that I never yep. noticed before. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you shit. You have to know. Yeah. Exactly. Because yeah. until you know, you're just like, yeah. Of yeah, course. Yeah. yeah. But Madeline says it's been 12 years and now Helen has a waist. It's like, that's that's not a compliment. But. Not so much. See, this frenemy bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Helen, though, thanks her for coming, saying that the PR woman said that Madeline Ashton would come to the opening of an envelope. But those people can be so cruel. God damn. The smile drops from Madeline's face, but returns when Helen says that she fired the PR lady. Well, she almost fired her. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing I like about this film is that between Helen and Madeline, they both give as good as, as, good oh, as they get. Oh, yes. No, yeah. yes. It's not a one-sided thing. Not Fucking at all. Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> But Helen signs a book as Madeline tells her that everything has been great. Ernest is a dream. Steering her away from the crowd, Helen tells her that she's happy for them both. Madeline admits that she's so happy that she feels like she doesn't deserve it because it came at Helen's expense and it just makes her feel terrible. Helen grabs Madeline and tells her that that was a long time ago. She didn't steal Ernest. Ernest went to her. It wasn't her. It was him. We see Ernest in the background staring at them. <laughs> <laughs> Helen tells Madeline that she has never blamed her. She plants a big kiss on Helen's cheek, leaving her lipstick behind. This is really a full circle yeah. moment. Yeah. The turns have tabled. They have. <laughs> <laughs> I never blame. There is a room full of screaming women who would say different. I mean, <laughs> you know. But later, Madeline watches as Vivian gushes about Helen with another woman. They wonder how old she is, and Madeline's like, she's 50. I think she's trying to put her on yeah, blast, yeah. but this only impresses them more. Yeah. That was, I don't know why she thought to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it prompts them to ponder what her secret is. Madeline, though, notices Helen pull Ernest into another room. She peeks in at them as Helen tells Ernest that she didn't realize he was so unhappy. He just looks back at her with a deep sigh and admits that he never could lie to her. She tells him that she's heard about the work he's doing now, and he tells her that he'd sell his soul to be able to operate again, but he's wasted his life. So that goes back to what you were saying earlier. Mm Mm-hmm. Helen grabs him, her eyes brimming with tears, and tells him that she's wasted him, Madeline. Mm. She married a brilliant surgeon and made him an undertaker. She tells him that she has never blamed him for leaving her, and she will never forgive Madeline for what she's done. See, she's playing both sides. (laughs) (laughs) She'll always come out on top. (laughs) Back at home in his giant walk-in closet, Ernest looks at an old photo of himself with Helen. He looks up at his reflection in the mirror, and he is much older looking and much less happy looking. Yeah. I do want to call out a line from whenever she's absolving him of his guilt or whatever, because uh-huh. she says that Madeline's from Newark or whatever. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure Bruce Willis is from New Jersey, which That's only hilarious. made me laugh. She's like, <laughs> like, she's like for God's sake. Yeah. Yeah. Why does everybody talk <laughs> shit about I New don't Jersey? Know. I don't know. They seem nice. <laughs> <laughs> but he steps out into the hallway when he hears Madeline's heels clicking on the floor. He looks down the railing of the second floor to see her make a beeline for the front door and leave. We cut to her knocking on the glass door of a house with a man inside. This is Dakota, played by Adam Stork. He's shirtless and pulling his pants on as he rushes to the door. 
When he opens the door for her, the two immediately start kissing, but she's much more into it than he is. Yeah. <laughs> and she pulls away to ask what's wrong. He tells her that he didn't know she was coming over and she's hit with the realization that he's not alone. Dakota denies this, saying that he's completely alone. But then a woman's voice calls out to him. <laughs> she chastises him for making her feel cheap. And when he struggles to come up with a reason as to why there's a woman inside, she's like, at least lie quickly. <laughs> he's like, I'm trying. Yeah, <laughs> That fucking killed me. He's like, I'm trying to lie yeah. quickly. <laughs> but he says that it's all perfectly innocent. Finally, Madeline looks into the house behind him to see the back of the woman completely nude reflected in a mirror before she walks off. They share a moment of silence before Madeline herself walks off. He trails after her, yelling that he's the one doing her a favor. He tells her that someone told him that they look ridiculous together and she never takes into account how that would make him feel. Okay, so first of all, <laughs> the the ass punchline edit is fantastic. <laughs> but <laughs> the idea of him trying to get sympathy by saying "you're old" <laughs> is fucking hilarious, and that's it's what great. he's doing. It is what he's doing. Don't you realize how much it hurts me for people to judge me <laughs> for being with you? You are too. <laughs> I guess so, but Jesus. But this does hit Madeline, and she stops walking away. He yells at her to find someone her own age and as soon as he says it rain immediately starts pouring yeah. down on her so can she she's mad at him for cheating on her when she's cheating, cheating on her yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's too much man she's just awful it's a lot <laughs> but in the next scene she's in her car swerving in and out of traffic in the pouring rain she sobs behind the wheel and when she gets a glimpse of herself in the mirror she screams and slams on the brakes in the middle of the street she dumps out her purse and starts to clean her face, but notices the ripped up card with Liesel's address on it. Thunder claps as she puts the two pieces together. I got to say, Thunder and Lightning really do play a very yeah. dramatic role. Yeah. They do. And it's like throughout. Yeah. Yes. And that's another thing that I said with the look of like old Hollywood. Right, mm -hmm. right. The sound design of these thunderclaps. Yes. It's if you had watched, if you had heard it in Frankenstein. You'd be like, that's yep. what I was going to say. Some yeah. Frankenstein shit. Yeah. Exactly. 100%. But at Helen's house, she uses an empty perfume bottle to squirt air into her eyes. She looks at herself in the mirror, rehearsing, tearfully asking to speak to Madeline at once. Pleased with herself, she gets up and leaves the room. We see that all around her mirror, there are defaced pictures of Madeline. Movie posters, publicity shots, even their high school yearbook photos. There's a calendar on her vanity with the word eliminate written with the date circled. Again, see, this goes back to the second Yeah, <laughs> That's her fucking fault. Did she blow up those pictures? Too? Yeah. <laughs> like there's also, I never noticed it before, but there's a uh, wedding photo of Madeline and Ernest and Helen has put her own face over Madeline. Madeline's. Oh, I didn't catch that no, at all. I didn't see that. And above the mirror in huge bright red letters, she's written the words, never again. But back in the car with sunglasses over her eyes. Yes. <laughs> what? It's <laughs> nighttime. What the fuck? She's upset. I, okay, you're going to cause an accident. <laughs> she well, was already swerving and yeah. slamming but on the brake. In all fairness, I think that plays into the theme of this entire film. Right. Like what's more important, her vanity or her safety? Right. No, yeah. Vanity. Yeah, vanity wins out. But don't wear a fucking... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't be doing this. But seriously. That's your Podmortem PSA. <laughs> But she's wearing sunglasses over her eyes and a scarf around her hair as she pulls up to a gigantic mansion. 
Now, I was very shocked to hear this. Now, first of all, I know I said that I would uh, steal someone's fiance for the other mansion. Right, right. I would kill someone's fiance <laughs> for this mansion. <laughs> but this mansion is a miniature. Oh, nice. What? Yes. And seeing them put it together is fucking unbelievable. I, I'm glad you said that because I was like, I don't know if that's like a... Like a real... Yeah. I was like, I don't know if that's real or a painting or I was like, something doesn't like completely authentic you know what i mean like, right this doesn't look like a real real building i think the way that they um dip down from the building through the windshield yeah. it's very convincing but i guarantee that if you were just to see the whole thing you'd be of like course. i don't, yeah, so. no. <laughs> I don't well, think when so she pulled up and was looking up at it it was giving to me house on haunted hill yes, vibes yes yeah 100%. oh i definitely go in there still. oh yeah right but before she can ring the doorbell, Liesel's bodyguard, played by Michael A. Nichols, opens the door. She starts to apologize, but he calls her Miss Ashton and reassures her that Liesel has been expecting her. What's his wrestling name? I was going to... Why is he... the Midnight Rockers, huh? I, that, <laughs> I was like, why is he tag team champion? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, I like his getup. I was like, that's all right. <laughs> I swear to God, this is the first thing I wrote. Uh, I'm digging it. <laughs> yeah. And then everybody else is yeah, kind of... Like, yeah, no, they're coordinated. Uh, they coordinated. <laughs> she knows what she likes, man. <laughs> but she follows him inside and he asks her to wait in the very spacious foyer. She waits, but she rubbernecks, peeking into other rooms until the elevator across the room begins to descend. It stops, and two unaccompanied Rottweilers inside wait for the doors to open before getting off and walking down a flight of steps. Those dogs are clearly late for work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, no time, no time to talk. Yeah. <laughs> We're seven times late. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Madeline looks shocked and is startled when Liesel's bodyguard comes back and leads her to another room. Before the couch in the room, the two Rottweilers sit at attention while another bodyguard of Liesel's, played by Danny Lee Clark, reclines. Instead of sitting anywhere else, Madeline squeezes into the small space between the bodyguard and the end I, of the couch. <laughs> I thought that. I was like, okay. <laughs> There's an entire... I get it. No, I understand. <laughs> I mean, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> right it choice but there was a whole other uh, seat you there could have sat at but from a chair turned backward facing the big fireplace behind the couch a woman speaks telling madeline that she had hoped she would come she chastises the bodyguard telling him to make room for her friend <laughs> which <laughs> but in his defense he was there first yeah, yeah. <laughs> he gets up and starts to walk away but stops when she leans into view it's liesel played by isabella rossellini she tells him to keep his ass handy she shifts her gaze over to Madeline and gives her a wink. So I have to just say this. Uh, when I was a young lad, <laughs> right. I didn't think it was humanly possible for anyone to be more attractive than Isabella Rossellini. This is one. This I is mean, the most beautiful woman. It. Right. And she's perfect for this role. Yes. Oh, yeah. And as we continue, I want to say something I read about what they had thought in the script to do uh -huh. with this character. But I just had to call out that she is breathtaking. No, oh, she's yeah. stunning. But she stands and thunder claps. She's wearing only a sarong around her waist and a large ornate necklace that conceals her breasts. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> she pulls off Madeline's sunglasses, lavishing her with compliments. She tells Madeline that she's got one of the most beautiful faces to ever grace the silver screen and that Ernest's reputation is unsurpassed. Madeline rolls her eyes. Is it because she said that about Ernest? Because yeah. she brought up Ernest. Yeah. She's like, what the for, for sure. It's like, this is about me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Could have just stopped at the first sentence, yeah. but okay. Like, Did you not see my show? Yeah. Like, <laughs> me, me, me. Yeah. yeah, fuck. 
Liesel says that she just got into town because she always follows the spring. She hasn't seen an autumn or a winter in years because she, like Madeline herself, is a creature of the spring. So are you renting this mansion? Or? Yeah. I, can, I don't know, man. I just want to know how I can have this mansion. Yeah. <laughs> can I have it during the autumn and yeah, the winter? I'll take it. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> Madeline stands and says that she doesn't even know why she came. Liesl answers the mystery for her. Madeline is scared of herself and of the body that she thought she once knew. This is enough to make Madeline sit back down on the couch, even though she acts incredulous. Cradling her face, Lisa tells her that she understands because she knows her secret. Back at Madeline and Ernest's mansion, the doorbell rings and Ernest opens the front door, revealing Helen to be standing in the rain under an umbrella. Tearfully, she asks to speak to Madeline at once. But when Ernest says that she's not here, Helen says, thank God, tossing her umbrella <laughs> aside and inviting herself in. All that practice for nothing. Yeah. Right? Once inside, Ernest asks how she got in because he didn't hear the gate. But Helen just drops her shawl, revealing her red dress in its entirety and causing Ernest's eyes to widen as she admits that it's because she didn't want him to hear it. So does she just have the one dress? Yeah. <laughs> she looks fucking great. Well, I mean, but is, this is the same night. Oh, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, because yeah. it feels like a bunch of shit has already yeah. happened. It does. But they came home. He was looking at the picture. Of Madeline stomped out to go right. see her, her fucking That's Sancho, right. and then it just went from yeah. there. Fair enough. But she walks over to him, begging him to tell her to leave as she hugs him. She says it only took a glimpse of him to be right back where she started. Oblivious, Ernest asks where that was, and Helen tells him not to pretend not to know that he's a powerful, sexual being. Ernest is still confused, but Helen admits that she never told him this before because she wasn't the type of woman who could say the word sexual without blushing, but she can now. I am going to... She has lipstick on her teeth. All right. Yeah. We all saw it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I made it into I, the film. <laughs> I, I yelled at your sister from across the apartment. I was like, does she have lipstick on her teeth? Yes. <laughs> how did I, that make it look, in? Here's what I'm thinking. I'm looking at it as like a character moment. Helen isn't used to playing this role. Sure. So yeah. that's that's what I'm <laughs> trying right. to say. So maybe she's not, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. All right. She's all still right. wearing the same red dress. It well. is gone in the next scene, but well, I mean in the next frame. Don't, don't tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to give this movie an out. <laughs> give this movie all the outs. Well, it's too fucking late now. <laughs> but she whispers it into his ear now and pulls back from him, repeating it. Sexual, sensual, sexy, sex. Ernest is shook, dropping his glass and shattering it on the floor. <laughs> I, look, man, I know Bruce Willis is very much playing against type. Yes. But he is such an underrated comic actor. Yes. Because he is goddamn hilarious. He's so in this. Yeah. fucking funny. And it's it just little, his facial expressions. Yes, little moments like that. Yeah. Fantastic. Back at Liesel's, she cradles Madeline's hand in her own. She says being offered the taste of youth and vitality only for us to witness our own decay is life's greatest cruelty. I mean, that's that's a lot. Well, she's not wrong. Right. She's not wrong, but goddamn, that's bleak. Yeah, yeah well, life, man. It's, yeah. A, yeah. it's a fucking... Uh... All right. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I, I realized I was tilting my head a lot. Yeah. People can't, can't hear they that. Can't they can't hear it. <laughs> But when Madeline offers that it is the natural law, Liesl drops her hand and jumps to her feet, proclaiming, screw the natural law. With a smile, she walks over to a box on a stand. She removes a knife holding the box closed and slips it into her sarong before opening it. 
She takes out another box with an onk symbol on it and brings it over to the table in front of Madeline, who's starting to look nervous. When she put the knife in her sarong, yeah. the sound design yeah. like of it against her skin, I was yeah. like, oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> the music swells as Liesl pulls the top off of the box, revealing an ornate egg-shaped container. She pulls the container open and a puff of pink smoke is released. There's a crystal vial inside filled with a glowing, moving pink solution. I did read that this was supposed to be like sludgy and gray. Right. And I'm really glad that they changed no, it. No, yeah. That Don't wouldn't have fit at all. Yeah. No, not at all. But Liesl picks it up and Madeline asks what it is. Liesl tells her that it's what she came for. A touch of magic in a world obsessed with science. She calls it a tonic and a potion, setting it up to balance magically on its point on a tray right in front of Madeline. Madeline asks what it does, and sitting back in her chair, Liesl simply asks her to guess how old she is. She prods her, telling her not to try to flatter her and just guess. But when Madeline guesses 38, her smile immediately disappears. Madeline backtracks, 28? 23? <laughs> Liesl drops the bombshell that she is 71 years old. Madeline's mouth drops and she looks at the potion. Liesl explains that this is what the potion does. It stops the aging process in its tracks and makes it turn backward. So, firstly, that is a horrible question to ask somebody. Yeah. How old do you no, think don't, I don't, am? Don't try to flatter me. <laughs> yeah, don't. I, no. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> I will not. Why don't you tell me how old you are? <laughs> One thing I did want to say is that they had toyed with, I read in the screenplay, that she was either going to be a hundred years old, yeah. maybe a thousand years old. God damn. Yeah. And then they were like, what if she's actually Cleopatra? That would kind of be cool. And I thought, yeah. And that would yeah. explain the symbol on the, I mean, that, exactly. that, would, yeah. that would be right, pretty right. cool. So I was almost like, why didn't you go with yeah. that? Yeah. Maybe I, I was going to say, maybe they thought it'd be too much, but this movie, I don't, they weren't really holding back. Yeah. No, <laughs> I don't know. And there's some stuff later that is so on the nose. It is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's fucking almost a nostril, basically. (laughs) But she says that if Madeline will drink the potion, she'll never grow one day older. But if she doesn't drink it, she'll have to continue to watch herself rot. See, I personally, because she says what, it would force it to retreat? Yes. Right. That, to me, this being thrown into my lap like this. I'm going to be a baby. Um, yes. Yeah. You better not turn me into a baby, bro. Yeah. That's what I would say. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would tell this beautiful woman. You better not turn me into a baby, bro. Bro? <laughs> <laughs> but Madeline asks how much it is, and Lisa explains that the price is different for everyone. Madeline's like, well, how much for me? And as Liesl modestly writes a number down, Madeline is trying to peek over her shoulder. I'm like, just wait. (laughs) You're going to see it. (laughs) Finally, Liesl reveals the number and Madeline busts out laughing as Liesl burns the paper. Gathering her purse, she's like, well, I guess I'm going to be leaving. (laughs) (laughs) But with a crack of thunder behind her, Liesl demands that she sit back down and she does. Liesl pulls the knife from her sarong and opens the lid on the potion. She tells Madeline to give her her hand. And when she does, <laughs> Liesl pokes her finger with the knife, drawing blood. <laughs> Madeline's reaction here is one of my favorite yes. moments in the whole movie. <laughs> when she screams, asking if Liesl is nuts. But Liesl only tells her to watch as she dips the tip of the knife into the potion and touches it to Madeline's cut. Her hand glows with warmth and begins to soften and grow younger. She gasps and compares it to the other hand. And after just a brief glance at the two next to each other, she asks Liesl if a check will be okay. (laughs) 
Now, I do want to say this doesn't look the greatest. What, the switch? The, the hands when they're showing them next to each other. <laughs> I, but I was like, I don't even give a fuck. I was like, no. that's so funny. I will say that the switch between the old hand and the new yeah, hand, yeah. It, it, it puts me in the mind of like goosebumps and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but again, like you're saying. Yeah, it doesn't matter. No. I, like, I, I, know what, I know what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, my question would be, if I don't take the potion, do I just have one young hand and one yeah, old right. hand for the rest of my life? Yes. <laughs> I think that's just what it is now. Wear a glove, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> hand modeling. Oh, one hand. Yeah. One ha- hand modeling. Yeah. I didn't say hands model. <laughs> <laughs> but Lisa agrees to this. And as Madeline writes the check, taking breaks to stare at her youthful hand, she tells Madeline to make a promise. Their secret must never be made available to the public. Madeline can enjoy a career for 10 more years and her beauty will be perfect. But after those 10 years, she needs to disappear from the public eye before people start to get suspicious. She gives Madeline the option of retiring or staging her own death, or she gives the example of one of her clients who famously said, I want to be alone. Greta Garbo. Yeah. Right. Her, I looked up Greta Garbo. Mm -hmm. She was only an actress for like 20 years. Mm -hmm. And then she just. She hated being in the public. Yeah. Yeah. And so I love that they picked her. Yeah. Because the story. Right. It fits. Yeah. Yeah. But Madeline is in disbelief. She's like, her? <laughs> I love that moment because Liesl just nods mm-hmm. like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, bitch. That's right. That is right. <laughs> but Madeline hands over the check and Liesl gives her the potion in return. So my entire life, mm-hmm. um, whenever she writes it down and then burns it, the cost. Yeah. My whole life, I've just been like, God damn it. What is it? Like wanting to know yeah, how much it costs. Yeah. Well, I did some research mm. and I found online a guy named Don Cotton bought the prop check from <gasps> Death Becomes Her. How wow. much was it? The cost of the potion for Madeline Ashton was $1 million. That's, I mean, that's a lot. Uh, well, yeah, it's a lot, but I mean, it's kind of affordable. Uh, f- uh. It, it's also 1992 and she has not acted oh, in a yeah. long time. And Ernest- So what's the inflation? No, Ernest well, does well, not, it was about $2 million. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ernest is not a surgeon anymore. I mean, it's a lot of money. Yeah. It's a lot of money, period. I, right, I, right. I, I will say that revealing like a 30-year secret, I expected a bigger reaction from yeah. I, What I, did you think? My mouth dropped $500 open. billion? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that better? Dr. Evil? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it made me laugh because they really went out of their way to keep it a secret, seemingly. Yeah, yeah. But they, like, no, it's right here. <laughs> yeah. I always, because they said that it's different for everyone. It's funny then because like she read one million dollars and she's like, well, goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, fuck that. Well, yeah. The, well, the only reason I'm saying that uh, that I'm saying is because like she's an actress. He was doing was or was. But look at that mansion. It's got to cost money to, to the upkeep on that thing. It's rent controlled. <laughs> oh, <but laughs> I doubt it. Well, the property but, yeah, taxes. The pro- yeah. <laughs> Even I if mean, they own yeah, it. But yeah. You know what I mean? They got it. They got to still have some kind of money if they're living like that. Uh, so I figured for her, like you said, every price is different. Yeah. It would have been something crazy. I wonder how she determines the price for everyone. Right. Does she do her research? She's, she seems like she, she does her research. She knows no, no, yeah. shit that she shouldn't yeah. know. So I'm assuming so. 
But after a moment of hesitation, Madeline looks at her hand and proclaims bottoms up before drinking the entire vial. And yes, I know that she's still gulping and drinking yeah, long is. after yeah, the yeah. potion disappears. <laughs> Again, I do not give a fuck. Why did you stop animating the potion? Yeah. <laughs> you could have just added more to it or something. I don't know. <laughs> Reset it. Fuck it. Yeah. yeah. What the hell? It's magic. Yeah. <laughs> whatever <laughs> but she shakes a little and sighs deeply liesel tells her now a warning and madeline's pissed now a warning <laughs> will you wait yes yeah that was literally my reaction too yeah. though. but the warning is simple take care of yourself you and your body are going to be together for a long time so be good to it she pins a small gold pendant of a flower to madeline's top telling her siempre viva live forever Madeline starts to follow Liesel's bodyguard out, but stops to look at herself in the full-length mirror in the foyer. Her face is overcome with disappointment when she sees that she still looks exactly the same. But... <laughs> but you just drank it. Yeah. But the hand thing was... I mean, but it did go to her bloodstream. Yeah, so yeah. She, you know, it's it faster acne. Yeah, it was one drop. And she's, yeah. she's not known for her patience. Okay? No. <laughs> but as the score plays, the potion begins its magic. Her face transforms into a younger, softer version of itself. Her ass cheeks inflate. And when <laughs> she turns back around to look at herself, her blonde hair is healthy and lustrous. Her breasts lift back into place. I did read that they tried to do this with wires and stuff, but yeah, it didn't yeah. look right. So her dresser stood and lifted her boobs <laughs> one by one in front of the mirror. I thought that was, it works. Yeah, no, it it's simple, but yeah, it works. I just love that you said one by one. Well, <laughs> it's two boobs. Yeah, <laughs> but she looks at the bodyguard, motioning to her new slash old body and stumbling over her words before finally deciding on the iconic, I'm a girl. Yeah. <laughs> which is so fucking... <laughs> over the top it is it's so funny but it's her it yeah. is but liesel's bodyguard brings his fingers to his lips and gives her a shh why did he have an earpiece yeah. <laughs> is he the stage manager he yeah. he's, due. <laughs> he's due to the yeah. stage he's like we're man. defending our tag team championships yeah. <laughs> gotta be ready <laughs> We abruptly cut to Helen and Ernest making out on the couch. She pulls away, saying that they have to stop and gets up, causing Ernest to collapse on the couch when he tries to lunge at her again, which just <laughs> was so subtly funny. She apologizes to him, telling him to look at himself. She says that Madeline already destroyed his career and now she's breaking his heart and stealing his pride. She tells him that Madeline flaunts her lovers all over town, and he's surprised that she knows about that, but she tells him that everyone knows about that. It's all anybody talked about at the party. But the way he talks, he's like, you know about that? It's <laughs> embarrassing. Yeah. It is. Well, wait, so she's saying that everyone at the party is like, you know, she's... Yeah. She'll be fucking... Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. That's not even true, because everyone at the party was talking about how amazing yeah, Helen yeah, looked. Shit. That's That didn't happen. She's manipulating. Well, she's doing a great job. Oh, yeah. But Ernest asks if she could possibly love him when he's been weak for so long. He should have divorced Madeline a long time ago. The light bulb goes off and he jumps to his feet. He pours himself a drink and says that the first thing tomorrow morning, he's going downtown and filing for divorce. Helen says his name and he's like, well, first thing Monday morning then. At the very least, Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> that line delivery is it's yeah. so fantastic. good. He's like, why, why are you doing that? Why? <laughs> he's being realistic. Yeah. He's like, I'm probably not going to do it yeah, tomorrow. No. <laughs> it's late already i've had a lot to drink <laughs> 
But she tells him that getting divorced in California is exactly what Madeline wants. He sits down and says there's nothing he can do. But rubbing her foot along his thigh, Helen tells him, yes, there is. Helen dives into her plan and we see it all play out before us. Ernest in a white suit coming downstairs <laughs> holding a candelabra for right, some reason. Yeah. <laughs> Helen instructs him to come down after Madeline is asleep and take one of each kind of wine glass off the shelf. She produces a bottle of Narcanol, a powerful alcohol-based tranquilizer. She tells him to coat each of the glasses and we see him carefully doing this. In the fantasy, Madeline races for the phone in a red dress as Helen explains that she will call to say goodbye and get Madeline to invite her to dinner. Madeline does, and then at the head of the table, she drinks to a toast and immediately passes out with her head in her plate. We travel down the impossible length of the dinner table to see that (laughs) Helen and Ernest are all the way at the end, sitting across from each other, both in pristine white. Again, both of them in this angelic white and Madeline wearing devilish red yeah, it's, just, yeah. it's so fucking funny it makes me laugh that they're at the end of the table yes. <laughs> and in her imagination of this plan she doesn't think that madeline would Madeline's think that like, was weird yeah <laughs> doesn't you say after we finish our dinner yeah but helen does say they need to act quickly after they finish dinner they'll put her in the car take her to the top of mulholland drive and call the police to report a drunk driver swerving close to the edge in the fantasy, <laughs> Ernest makes the call saying exactly what Helen said mm-hmm. as Helen pulls Madeline from the back of the car. This is the cheesy shit that I love. <laughs> yes. I was yes. like, oh my God, you didn't need to do that. <laughs> Swerving dangerously yeah. close yeah. to the edge. It was... <laughs> But they put her in the driver's seat and dozens of bottles of alcohol. They pour it all over everything and dump them in the car. They put the car into gear, prop her foot on the gas and her hands on the wheel holding a bottle, of course. And then they send her over the edge. We watch as the car goes over the edge of the cliff and immediately bursts into flames. With the car burning behind them in their fantasy, Helen turns to Ernest and tells him that when they perform the autopsy, the Narcanol will have dissolved completely and Madeline will be labeled as just another drunk driver. I love the shot in the morgue. Yes. (laughs) With the skeleton arm and the bottle. And then the guy like another drunk. That whole like dream plan thing. It's amazing. It's like cartoonish. Yeah. But in the best way. Yes. Yes. This is the moment that I started. I was like, you know, the more comical episodes of Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. Yeah. This is where I'm feeling. Very silly. (laughs) Yeah. And it only gets even more. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. But we do see the crematorium where they hold up her skeletal smoking hand still clutched on the bottle and declare that with a 0.40 blood alcohol content, she had it coming. The medical examiner's office stamps the file case closed (laughs) and flames take over the screen as we transition back to present day and see the flames in Ernest's glasses. I love that shot. Yes. Helen sums it up. Case closed. Madeline's dead. They're free. Ernest says that they can't do this, but Helen says it's the only way. With Madeline gone, they can both start their lives over again, and they'll be so happy. Tearfully, she tells Ernest that Madeline is killing him. Ernest is like, so it would be self-defense? And Helen agrees, (laughs) self-defense. You're like, whatever you gotta do. (laughs) (laughs) This is when Madeline opens the gate, still staring at herself and smiling in the side mirror as she drives up to the home. While the gate is still open, Helen nonchalantly strolls out. Madeline dreamily strolls up the stairs, past Ernest, who is still down in the living room. He looks up at the second floor as thunder and lightning crash outside. 
Madeline goes into her bedroom and tries on a black cat suit and heels and admires herself in the mirror. She tells herself that she's back and slips on a sheer purple robe. But when she opens the door, Ernest is standing there. He tells her that they need to talk, but she tells him to have another drink and go to bed. She pushes past him, but he follows her. He tells her that this is what she wants for him to drink himself into an early grave. But that's not happening. She's not taking his money. She feigns ignorance. And he asks when the last time she worked a real job was. He says that anything she's gotten is owed to the work that he did on her. But then he pauses and is like, have you changed your hair? (laughs) (laughs) She just laughs at him and saunters past, telling him not to wait up. So was she going to see dude again? I doubt I it. So. I feel like I, she was going to go pull something. Uh, pull something? Pull something anew, a new dude. Oh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Not, but, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> he mutters that she's cheap, and this stops her in her tracks at the top of the stairs. This is a fucking trigger word for her. Yeah, she's not... See, and it makes me wonder, like, what history mm-hmm. well we kind of learn later yeah that's true yeah <laughs> i'm not wondering anymore no. well at this point i was wondering what history <laughs> but she turns on him asking what he said and he doubles down he called her cheap because that's what he thinks of her they start to overtalk each other him calling her a tacky tramp who becomes less and less like the woman he married while she asks exactly who he thinks he is and reminding him that he's nothing I think she's exactly the woman you married, though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, man, but... (laughs) Yeah. She calls him a tragic, boozy, flaccid clown. This, of course, gets to him, and he tells her to watch what she says to him, but she keeps repeating, flaccid, flaccid, flaccid. (laughs) The the tongue was the 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 best. I was like, this is, again... (laughs) The tongue was so unnecessary. But it's fucking great. Like... (laughs) Well, to me, I was like, is the tongue an impression of... <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's just putting some stank on it. Yes. <laughs> She's going really hard at his wiener, man. No pun That's intended, what, but... Well, because she was talking shit, and that was the thing that he was like, you watch what you yeah. say. Yeah. So, oh, that hurts. Yeah, flaccid, yeah. flaccid, flaccid. So if only we had uh, like a history of why that... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But he yells at her that he doesn't have to take this anymore. But she says that he will because he always has. She tells him he's not even a man anymore. And that's what she needs. She takes it to Flaccid Town again, saying that she'd probably have more fun with one of his clients. This is when he grabs her by the throat and walks over to the stairs, her feet dangling above the ground. It's funny because when he grabs her, she's just like, at least I know I'd be getting something stiff. Like she's still talking shit. (laughs) (laughs) Till her dying breath. <laughs> That's how I aspire to go out. Yeah. Like I'm gonna still what? talk that shit. Talking shit until oh, yeah. Yeah. if I'm murdered, just know. Until the very end I was talking shit. <laughs> but he holds her over the railing before holding her over the stairs still by her throat. He asks if she really thought he was just gonna take it forever, and she shakes her head, afraid. He continues to choke her, but suddenly comes to his senses as she weakly begs him, please. He lets go and stares at his own hands in disbelief, apologizing to her. Madeline, though, is still leaned backward over the steep drop of the stairs with her heels perched on the corner of the top step. She asks him for help. And just as he reaches out to her, she says, hurry up, you wimp. Why? Yeah. (laughs) You done goofed. Madeline. Uh. (laughs) 
Ernest's helping hand changes to a pointed finger that pokes her in the chest. Down Madeline goes, breaking her neck on the stairs as she tumbles down. And in all fairness, we do watch her fall down these stairs about like, 10 times. Yeah, yeah. like 10 minutes. Like, <laughs> God damn. It's like, how many fucking stairs? Yeah. No wonder Rose was winded earlier. Yeah. <laughs> I have to call out the editing of this section between like her heels balancing, yeah. his hand her like fucking it's yeah, yeah. very well done oh, yes yeah. and again i'm sorry but the fucking moment of impact on her neck i'm like this is pg-13 yeah. it's it's <laughs> a lot it's nuts but she lands in a heap at the bottom her arms severely broken and thrown over her shoulder Ernest stands frozen at the top of the stairs before coming down in tears we pan over madeline's broken body as Ernest checks her pulse sobbing when there isn't one he rushes to the phone and calls Helen's hotel. When she answers, he says, <laughs> it's me, Ernest Minville. Yeah. <laughs> I think she knows who you I are, would... dude. <laughs> At this point. Oh my God, yeah. I laughed so hard. It's just so stupid. But he tells her that he didn't think he'd be able to, but he did it. He pushed her down the stairs. He rambles, telling her that they're free now, but he's afraid he's going to burn in hell. <laughs> Helen asks exactly which part of the plan he didn't understand. As he tries to explain himself, we see Madeline in the background moving her legs. He tells her that this was an accident. She asks if he called the police and he says that he called her first. She stops herself from yelling at him to say that if the police check, it's going to look very suspicious that he called her before them. Madeline continues to move in the background as Ernest jumps to his feet. Helen coaches Ernest on what to say as Madeline slowly gets up, her head twisted all the way around. She tells him to leave Madeline at the foot of the stairs, call the police and say that they were on the phone when he heard Madeline scream as she fell. Madeline walks backward, her face toward Ernest, but her body facing the other way. When Helen worries about the time of death, Ernest tells her that it'll be fine. It's too hard to determine time of death within a few hours. But Madeline approaches Ernest, calling his name until he turns around in disbelief. When she tells him that he pushed her down the stairs, he screams, <laughs> dropping the phone and backing up into the living room. Now, I watched how they did this. Yeah. And they had a like a blue bag over Meryl Streep's head mm -hmm. and had her act this entire scene walking backward. Okay. Then they put blue on her body and sat her in a chair, moving it the way her body moves in the scene. Yeah, yeah. And then she did all the acting in her face for it. <laughs> so, I mean, it was like, and they'd never, this was brand new. Like, right, they'd right, never yeah, done right, some right. shit like this before. But it's like super effective. I think it still looks really good. <laughs> to me it does i think it looks better than it has any right to no yes. yeah i'll give it that yes because like when you think about the time and what they could do and what they had done yeah nothing like no, this yeah, you know yeah. and i think that the because there's like this weird marriage of practical and digital mm -hmm. yeah that they really excel at here yeah it's no wonder they won the academy award they, and they yeah, yeah rightfully for visual effects i did want to point out because this was just like something personal for me yeah yeah but the shot of her like rising up and everything in the background while yeah. he's on the phone dean cundy shot michael myers rising up yeah it's very genius yeah, yeah. Right, right. almost similarly framed that uh her kind of coming together and everything in the back mm -hmm. that's actually a puppet oh nice what? yeah they built it to kind of collapse and reform yeah and so when you see the the limbs kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's puppetry oh, that is nice. so cool it's like unbelievable and then it when, looks cool yeah 
when she comes up it's the digital shit the yeah, yeah. switch yeah. it's like you guys are just yeah it's on really another seamless level. yeah but he tells her to stay away from him and she says that she will but she does intend to call the police 911 <laughs> right I was like, You're such a bitch it's like come on man <laughs> She seems confused, though, first moving forward, then backing up as she walks backward to the phone. She grabs it, wrestling with the phone cord, and Ernest tells her to look at herself. She looks down and drops the phone in disbelief, proclaiming that she can see her ass. <laughs> He's like, there's something really wrong with your neck, too. <laughs> that would suck to wake up like that. Well, yes, oh, it yeah. would. <laughs> I love that she didn't catch on that she was walking funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was too mad, too fair, vengeful. Fair point. But she agrees tearfully, dropping to the floor when she tries to sit on the piano stool. She pulls herself onto it and looks at him confused. She asks what's wrong with her, and Ernest says that it's just a dislocated neck. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I... I would I, I wouldn't know how to react if no, your head was backwards. No. I would no. think the same thing. I'd be like, uh, there's got to be an explanation. We got to something. He says he's never seen it before, but it can happen. She tells him to fix it. <laughs> I mean, and he just backs away, crying that he wouldn't even know where to begin. She takes it into her own hands, literally pulling her head up and twisting it until it settles back down in the right position. Dramatically and choking back tears, she tells Ernest that she thinks she needs a doctor. That's the understatement <laughs> yeah. of a century. Yes. I just love her ability to, you're in the shit house now, pal. And yeah. she's like, what's wrong with me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, depends on what you need in the moment. Yeah. You know, so great. I love the shot of her in the mirror on the piano. Yes. Yeah. Because you can tell that they did that, you know, separately. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I just love the way that works. I did read an interview with Meryl Streep in Entertainment Weekly. Mm-hmm. She talked about doing this portion mm-hmm. and said that she loved, obviously, the film as it was when it came out. Right. But she fucking hated having to do all of the digital yeah. oh, acting. Wow. She yeah. said the the acting that she's used to, this just is not. Yeah. Well, look, at, uh, no, it's no. not. Yeah. And she said, I guess her mom visited the set on the day that they did this mm-hmm. and they she had the blue thing over right, her head right. and they were she was like why the fuck she goes why are they paying you and your fucking <laughs> face isn't even she's like mom trust, trust me, me. <laughs> <laughs> but we cut to Ernest's car screeching into the emergency room drop off crashing into an ambulance <laughs> he gets out of the car screaming she's at death's door we cut to them with the ER doctor, played by Sidney Pollack, and he repeats, Doctor, she's at death's door. <laughs> I was so surprised to see Sidney Pollack. Right. Yeah. He, I remember him. He was in like a Twilight Zone episode in like 1961, uh-huh. which I do recall. I wasn't there, but... Um, <laughs> sure. Well, it doesn't matter. I haven't had the potion or anything. <laughs> but he was also... He won the Academy Award for Best Director and Best Picture in, I think, I want to say 1985. Oh, wow. And it was in a movie that starred Meryl Streep. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. So he's, uh, he's done yeah. things. And he's so funny in this yeah. scene. Dude, his performance... This is like character peak character actor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love this shit. But the doctor insists that he'll be the judge of that about her being at death's door and he asks what the problem is madeline with the thermometer in her mouth eyes earnest as she tells him that she fell down the stairs he asks if anything's broken and she says she doesn't think so because that would hurt and she doesn't hurt but maybe her wrist is her neck is definitely a little sore 
The doctor takes Madeline's wrist and applies pressure, asking if it hurts. She says no. He continues to bend it, the bones cracking as he bends it all the way back in disbelief when she insists that it doesn't hurt. He asks about her neck and she says that it's sore when she turns it. He opens her coat and screams, <laughs> jumping back. That seems like a genuine reaction. Like, yeah. like it's so, I was like, that's it's so good. Yeah, because he's, he's, he's a doctor. He's yeah. used to seeing shit. Yeah. yeah. But he was like, oh my God, like, yeah. what the fuck? I was laughing at the wrist bit. Yeah. Because he's like, it doesn't hurt well, when why, I do why this. Why is he doing it? He's like, yeah. you're a terrible doctor. <laughs> doesn't hurt when I break your fucking wrist. <laughs> But Ernest asks that he check her for shock and the doctor searches for her heartbeat as Madeline looks annoyed. In the background, Ernest drinks from a flask. The doctor taps the stethoscope to make sure it's working and startles himself when it pounds in his ears. He checks her again and still hears nothing. So he throws it in the trash and gets a fresh one. Again, he hears nothing. Madeline asks what's wrong as he takes the thermometer out of her mouth. Checking her temperature, he's like, well, that about covers it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he asks Ernest for a drink from his flask, and Ernest is like, oh, yeah, and he hands yeah. it over. <laughs> After a gulp and popping a nitroglycerin tablet under his tongue, he tells Madeline that her wrist is fractured in three places, and she's shattered two vertebrae, citing that the bone protrusion through the skin is not a good sign, even <laughs> if he would need an x-ray yeah. to confirm. He says her body temp is below 80 degrees and her heart has stopped beating. Ernest asks what that means. And the doctor just rushes out to get a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is like such a, I can't get over how good this performance yeah. is. Yes. Madeline mutters that it could be worse. And when Ernest touches her head to gauge her temperature, she smacks him away. He says that the doctor's right. And Madeline tells him not to be ridiculous. He says she's an violation of every natural law that he knows and she's like i violated what law <laughs> <laughs> did she think she was going to be arrested yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he says that she's sitting there and talking to him but she's dead he rushes away to get help but the second he leaves madeline faints Ernest runs through the emergency room asking for help and asking where all the doctors are. But as he rushes down another hall, he sees that the ER doctor is flatlining as the team tries yeah. to work on him. <laughs> Somehow, I did not remember this at all. Yeah. He I was like, he no, fucking yeah. died? Dude. Yeah. <laughs> <She> scared <laughs> him to death. Poor guy had a heart yeah. attack. <laughs> Just comes to work. Yeah. yeah. When Ernest comes back into the room, Madeline is gone and another doctor tries to console him over the loss of his wife. Ernest asks where she is, and the doctor tells him that she's in the morgue. Ernest is like, the morgue? She'll be furious, and just runs away. <laughs> I love how this makes perfect sense. Yeah. But how but, does it yeah. look? It's amazing. Ernest rushes down to the morgue, but in the hallway, he encounters three sobbing nuns who literally glide past him oh yeah i have a problem with it they look yeah. terrifying <laughs> he looks at them though and he's like none of my business yeah <laughs> <laughs> he dramatically approaches the doors to the morgue before letting himself inside fearfully he opens the door to the freezer and pulls out the metal slab with the body bag on top the bag moves and whimpers and Ernest unzips it to find Madeline inside, tearfully explaining that she fainted. And when she woke up in the dark, she yelled and yelled, but no one helped her. I think I read somewhere. I'm trying to remember where, but they had said that originally whenever he went into the morgue and he opened up the drawer, the first one was supposed to be a priest. 
Which uh, would explain why the nuns, nuns are there. Okay. Yeah, but then he fucking got a lucky break and yeah. it's like, yeah, I don't yeah. know, it's my wife. <laughs> <laughs> but her whining subsides when she realizes that she's in the morgue. Still draped in the body bag, Madeline sits up, realizing that they think she's dead. Ernest says that he understands now. They think she is, but she's not. And in all of medical history, this has never happened to anyone else. Madeline sobs, asking why this had to happen to her. Ernest says that she's a sign, an omen, a burning bush, but it's not doing what he thought it would do for her. No, (laughs) no. Well, she can't tell him. No, of course not. She's just confused, but Ernest goes on. This is a sign that they're supposed to be together. This is a call and a challenge to him. Throwing his hands over his head as thunder crashes and lightning shines through the skylight, he proclaims, it's a miracle. <laughs> Madeline just rolls her eyes. He has his Henry Frankenstein. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that it would have been because he's dropping a lot of religious stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If he had any inkling of this before. Or yeah. if maybe like he had strayed away from his religion or something. Right, yeah. Like maybe he's wearing a cross the beginning. Yeah. Or, something. Like, yeah. <laughs> Stupid cross. <laughs> But then this brings him back. I don't know. But back at their mansion, Helen waits outside in the dark, dressed all in black. She hides behind her car when Ernest pulls in. And when he stops to put in the code for the gate, Helen uses her binoculars to see Madeline seemingly lifeless in the passenger seat. Why is that happening? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know, but I laughed because she's like flopping back out. (laughs) They were just talking in the morgue. (laughs) Maybe she fainted again. Yeah, it's fair. But she rushes to the gate and isn't able to make it in before it closes. She watches through her binoculars as Ernest literally drags Madeline's body out of the car. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I don't fuck? understand why yeah. he's doing that. Well, none of this. This all looks horrible. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely Goldie Hawn mm. climbs the gate and flips over to the inside of the property. <laughs> right. <laughs> She tiptoes up to the door, but when Ernest throws his car in reverse, she drops down to the driveway. Ernest backs up quickly, his tires coming within an inch of Helen's face before he drives off. So the joke of the fence bit was because it was so clearly not her. Yeah. But then when that car backs up, I'm like, did... It looks like... Yeah. yeah. If if they didn't do like a face replacement or something, I'm like, did they fucking... Yeah. Yeah. Because why would that the fence is way less dangerous? Yeah. Or or what if they did it backwards and then reversed it? Mm, genius. I don't yeah. know. I just don't see them driving a car. No. <laughs> yeah, like that. I don't think so either. <laughs> but why was she wearing glasses that night? Well, again, look, <laughs> cat burglars got to be fashionable right. too with their little jacket. Like I mean, she really she put that outfit yeah. together. Was she wearing a leather beret? She was. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> It's called an ensemble, okay? Get with it. Come on now. Grow up. (laughs) With the gate still open, Helen runs and is able to slip out before they close. With her headlights off, she follows Ernest and watches as he stops at the mortuary and loads his trunk up with multiple huge bottles, including one that she is able to identify as formaldehyde. Why is the staff okay with this? I'm like, this looks (laughs) suspicious as fuck. You know you can do that here, right? You work here. (laughs) But we cut back to their mansion and see all of the bottles of fluid being put to use on Madeline. A bucket sits below the table she lies on, filling with her blood as it drains. Ernest uses his secret weapon, spray paint, to bring life back into Madeline's now gray skin. 
After he sprays one of her legs, he's disappointed with his work. Madeline, clearly bored by this process, tosses her book aside and asks how it's going. But he tells her that he doesn't want to rush it. The phone rings and Madeline asks who keeps calling. I'm like, did Ernest forget that Helen exists? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was on the phone with her when all this happened. Yeah, he was. Well, but what he's been faced with, I would forget. I guess. Oh, yeah. But Ernest shuts out all interruption by pulling the phone cord out. We cut to Ernest meticulously using a paintbrush on Madeline's face. We only see the back of her head as he asks her to hold very still. But of course, as soon as he brings the brush to her face, Madeline sighs and lets her head flop back. (laughs) Out of turpentine, Ernest leaves to get more. And when Madeline asks if they can just be done, he tells her that the highlights of her eyes are completely off balance and asks if she wants people to stare. Why does she have to be difficult even <laughs> <Yeah>. here? Like, <laughs> he is doing everything. Yeah. She's like, oh my God, <laughs> hurry up. But he rushes downstairs muttering to himself and screams when he sees Helen standing in the middle of the room. Equipped with ropes and tarps and shovels, she drops them to the ground and asks where Madeline is. She sees red on his hands and assumes that it's blood. But when he tells her it's paint, she asks if he's been doing something funny with Madeline. Ernest is like, define funny. (laughs) (laughs) Helen is sick of it, yelling at him to cough her up. Ernest shushes her and takes her a couple steps into the backyard. He tells her that Madeline is resting, but Helen loudly tells him that she's not resting. She's dead, just like they wanted and just like they planned. He continues to shush her, but we see Madeline's hand from the upstairs landing, gently resting on a post as she eavesdrops. Even if she wasn't there, Helen's being loud as she fuck. Is. Yeah, that is. <laughs> they're, like, they're outside. Yeah. <laughs> Helen stomps inside, saying that they'll bury her in Death Valley and be done once and for all. She tells him that it's done. Madeline was a homewrecker, a man-eater, and a bad actress. At this, Madeline's hand begins to claw the post that it rests on, peeling the paint away. Okay, so I understand that you've drank this potion. Yeah. You will not age. Yeah. But you're also a superhero. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She's mad. But that's, well, she is mad. Yeah. (laughs) She's madder now. (laughs) I I just don't like it. No, it has not grown on me. (laughs) (laughs) Ernest says that Madeline isn't ready to be buried. She's just upstairs resting. Helen yells at him that if she's just resting, then tell her to come downstairs and kiss her on the. But Madeline interrupts kiss you on the what? Helen drops the tarp she's holding and they greet each other with their fake mad in hell once again. And Madeline descends the staircase. Ernest rushes to her humbly, but she asks him what else they've been plotting down here. Ernest is like, are you angry? Yeah. <laughs> and is groveling as she walks away without answering. Helen only says breathlessly, it's alive. Ernest tells Helen to leave because this is going to be bad. He follows Madeline and does a fucking hilarious double take when he sees that one of the guns from their cabinet is missing and the door is still swinging open. That's the funniest shit. I rewound it. I could not stop laughing because it's like you said, it's cartoonish. No, no. Yeah, absolutely. I do want to call out the it's alive. Yeah. There's like so many Frankenstein references. Yeah. But I mean, it fits. It does. Yeah. I did read. I didn't get to go back and check, but they said whenever she's having her like little visualization of her plan. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all cartoonish and hilarious. Yeah. There is a jar with. Yeah. Abnormal. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. Which I'm like, come on, man. That's hilarious. <laughs> 
it also made me laugh that Madeline just got pissed off and then calmly went and grabbed the gun. Like yeah. She, well, <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> but Madeline approaches Helen and as she readies the gun, tells her that she brought this on herself. Ernest screams, but Madeline still fires. Helen flies across the yard and lands in a pool. I knew that that shot had to be practical. Right. Because the way that she lands in the pool, it's not something they could do digitally at the time. Yeah. yeah. But they said that they put a stunt woman on wires. Right. And they shot her 30 feet into the pool. She, she flies. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it, I know that she's being murdered, but yeah, yeah. I just want to say that it looks unsafe. Yeah. <laughs> Ernest is running around screaming and Madeline asked if he could just let her for once enjoy the moment. Ernest is shutting off the lights, which is just yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know what else to do. He pours himself a drink as Madeline says that they're going to bury Helen and Death Valley together. He's like, this night was just going to end with me burying a body. Yeah. <laughs> but when he refuses this, she tells him that that's pretty big talk for a murderer on the run. She paints a picture. What if the police were to receive a call and they came to find her on the floor, not breathing and with no pulse because nobody can play dead like her? What would he do then? She takes a moment to remind him what can happen to a man like him in prison. And now he's on board. That's not fair. It's no, not. That's he, not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> he goes to get the shovels. When they return outside, the water of the pool is now completely red with Helen's blood. Madeline is laughing that Helen even paid for the equipment they're using to dispose of her body. She's <laughs> She stops to admire Helen's jacket. But when Ernest asks her to help him lay out a tarp for Helen's body, she's like, oh, no, I'm happy to help. Yeah. As they do this, in the foreground, Helen rises, spitting out water. She turns, revealing a huge hole through her stomach that water rushes out of. She turns toward Madeline and Ernest, and we can see them turn to notice her through the hole in her stomach. It looks really cool. Yeah, so good. Helen tells Madeline that what she did was uncalled for, and they back away from her in fear, tripping over each other. Helen approaches them, telling Ernest to just look at her. She's soaking wet. When Ernest mentions that there's something wrong with her blouse, <laughs> she laments that there's a hole in her stomach. Madeline, though, toys with Liesel's pendant on her shirt and realization takes over as she points out that Helen does have a hole in her stomach, but she's still alive. Ernest rejoices that it's another miracle, <laughs> but Madeline knows better. She goes to Helen and grabs her shirt, finding Liesel's small pendant there as well. I just think it's amazing that you go back and she's been wearing it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. That is so good. I did want to talk about the hole in her stomach. Yeah. Because it is incredible work. Oh, yes. yeah. The shot where she rises up and water pours out of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I read that that was a puppet <laughs> because it's straight practical. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. But from there on, when you see her in the full shot with the hole, yeah. it's uh, digital. Oh, nice. It looks so great. Yeah. yeah. They had said, I read on Yahoo, that originally the hole was supposed to have like part of her spine yeah, and yeah. like some organs hanging and stuff. Damn. And they're like, I think that's too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so they cleaned it up and dialed it back. Yeah. But they all they did was they made like a little jagged marks on her shirt. Yeah. And then they did like the blue screen or whatever. And then they just rotoscoped out. That's uh, so cool. It's fucking that's amazing. That's so cool. 
She mentions the potion to Helen, who asks how she knows about that, but then she finds the pendant on Madeline's shirt as well. Madeline admits to taking the potion, but says that she hardly needed it. <laughs> <laughs> Helen realizes that that's why Madeline looks the way she does, and that this means she really is dead. She says that she took it in 1985 and paid everything she had for it. Ernest asks what they're talking about, and they're both like, the potion. Yeah. Ernest how? is like, I'm starting to think this wasn't a miracle yeah. at all. <laughs> Well, shit's coming out. That's yeah. nice. Madeline mocks the idea of Helen having a beauty book. She calls Helen a fraud and says that she can see right through her, illustrating this by bending down and looking through the hole in Helen's stomach. She laughs, advising Helen to stay out of a two-piece bathing suit for a while. She starts to walk away, again, continuing to talk shit. She's yeah. got to learn to stop talking <laughs> shit while she's walking away. But when she turns back around, Helen hits her in the head with a shovel. When we see Madeline, her head has been knocked completely backwards, resting on her own back, and she has to set it back right. Helen tosses her the other shovel, declaring, on guard, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, the only thing I know of the TV show Dynasty is them making fun of it on American Dad. Yeah. Yes. But this is starting to feel like... <laughs> <laughs> Ernest tries to calm the situation, but is almost hit with the shovels as Madeline and Helen begin to fight. I did read that Meryl Streep accidentally scarred Goldie Hawn while they were oh, doing this. Holy shit. In her face. Yeah. That's the worst place. That's yeah. the worst place. <laughs> but Madeline tells Helen to stop competing with her because she always wins. But Helen says that the only reason she wins is because she doesn't play fair. Ernest calmly excuses himself and walks upstairs. <laughs> Their shadows dance on the floor as they continue to fight with their shovels. Helen's breaks Madeline's to a point and Madeline just throws it at her, but it goes straight through her stomach and stabs the couch. She's like, yes, I mean, no, yeah. dude, that it's because she got a hole in one. Yeah. Yes. It's so, so funny. Madeline says that this is pointless because they can't even inflict pain on each other. But Helen teaches her about pain after knocking her head into her chest with her shovel one more time. She lists the men that she loved that Madeline stole away from her, but stops and refuses to continue until Madeline sets her head back on straight. <laughs> she does, pulling it up dramatically before dropping it back down onto her shoulders. So, again, with the feeling of a cartoon. Yeah. Yes. The way that they did this is they had Meryl Streep resting her head on a puppet. Yeah. And then they have her pulling her head up and then they just fill in the gaps later. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. They were talking because they had said that they had never done anything like this with skin before. Right. They said when they worked on Terminator, it was like the metal of the robots. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If they're called robots, I, I'm sure they're called <laughs> the T-1000. Thank yes. you. The robots. Yeah. I don't want anyone mad at me because I called the Terminator <laughs> a robot. It's like, it's not just a fucking robot. Unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um cybernetic there organism. we go i'm sorry um the company name i forgot uh skynet thank you but you're saving my life here man <laughs> but um the fact that they had never really done anything like this with skin effects before ever right this is such a pioneering film yeah right. because from then on out like like what else have they done yeah since? yeah yeah because they knew they could do it yeah mm -hmm. that's crazy because it 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 it's a cartoon, but I'm yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it's good though. It mm -hmm. fucking like it works. All this crazy shit, like this is wild. Yes, what we just experienced: her getting her fucking head knocked in, and uh -huh. her having to hold her fucking head up to talk. This is crazy shit, but it works, and it shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. 
But Helen continues, Madeline stole them away from her, not because she loved them, but just because she wanted to hurt her. Madeline says that's not true. Helen attacked her first. She reminds Helen what she and her friends used to say behind Madeline's back. They thought she was cheap. Mm. Helen tries to deny this at first, but Madeline reminds her that she never invited her to any of her parties. While she struggles to keep her own head up, finally having to hold it up by her own hair. Helen demands that Madeline just admit that she hurt her on purpose, but Madeline tells Helen to look her in the eye and admit that she thought she was cheap. It's funny because when they're going back and forth about the parties at (laughs) Helen's parents' house, Helen's like, we weren't just, we just weren't used to having, and Madeline's like, trash in the house. (laughs) That's amazing. I was laughing so hard whenever she's trying to hold her head up and it falls again, and then Helen's like, basically stop doing that she goes i'm trying, I'm trying. Yeah. like it's, she's never done this before. broke my neck dude that's yeah this is really your fault <laughs> but taking the high road helen composes herself and sits down on the couch the thrown shovel handle going straight through her open stomach finally she admits it she did think that madeline was cheap Still holding up her own head, Madeline sits on the opposite couch and admits that she did hurt Helen on purpose. She apologizes and Helen does too. Now do you see, we say it all the time, communication. Yes. Uh, it's key. <laughs> it is. Upstairs, Ernest takes his dartboard off the wall as the door opens and Madeline and Helen's shadows startle him. With their arms wrapped around each other, Madeline has a choker on to hold her head up and they apologize to Ernest for their fight. They say that they've made up now, even admitting that they envied each other and giggling. Ernest interrupts, saying that he's decided that he's leaving. He clutches his dartboard, but they beg him to stay. They both need him to work on them. They advance on him, Helen's eyes wide and dead as they ask in unison, please. (laughs) She's holding her eyes like that on purpose. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They are ghoulish. Yeah. Ernest agrees on one condition. When he's done, he leaves, and they never look for him, ask about him, or think about him ever again. And they're happy to oblige. These roles were funny because when Madeline reanimates and comes after him, he's like, don't look at me, don't come at me, don't talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) He's just like, let's check all the boxes. (laughs) Don't interact with me. Yeah. Later, Ernest finishes packing his bag by placing the dartboard on top and closing it. He picks up his framed wedding photo with Madeline, along with his photo of him and Helen, and tosses them both into the trash. We cut to Madeline and Helen, both looking amazing, wearing robes and lingerie as they admire the work that Ernest did on them in the mirror. They call him a genius. So that whole... Yeah. If I've learned anything from Halloween Wars, I'm assuming it's packed with Rice Krispie <laughs> <Yeah>. Treats. <laughs> I don't know how the fuck because yeah. I, I feel very dumb because I know exactly how it's because Goldie Hawn never had a giant yeah. wall. <laughs> <laughs> it's but I'm like, amazing. It's another miracle. <laughs> Ernest really is a genius. That's amazing. Yeah. Madeline notices something on Helen's shoulder, and when she tries to remove it, all of Helen's color peels away in that spot, revealing the gray, lifeless skin underneath. She goes to get Ernest before he leaves, but Helen stops her. What if something like this happens again? Will Ernest come back for touch-ups? Madeline points out that even if he agreed to that, he's not going to live forever. Helen proposes that Ernest take the potion. They just have to get him to Liesel's. But Madeline says that he's not going to. He made up his mind about leaving and they have to respect that. So Helen comes up with an alternative. They'll drug him. 
Wow. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Did a 180 pretty She's fast. She's like, yeah. I got all this Narcanol and yeah. I'm not even using it anymore. <laughs> they come to his room innocently, presenting him with breakfast, a drink on a tray. Ernest starts to take a sip, but stops. He ponders why he didn't pack his bags five or ten years ago and instead stayed and faced humiliation. He tells them why. He made a promise that meant everything to him. He sets the drink down and pushes past them, continuing to talk. They grab the drink and give it to him as he continues down the hall. He gestures, sloshing the drink all over the ground. (laughs) He stops at the top of the stairs, saying that he's lived up to his promise. Till death do they part. Well, they're dead and he's parting. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. he did. (laughs) Most of his drink spilled now. He raises the rest to his lips before pausing and dumping it into a plant. They both go (gasps) and stare at each other. (laughs) You guys are super chill. You made it it very obvious. (laughs) But he tells them that he drinks too much. Madeline grabs a glass vase and hits Ernest over the head with it as he approaches the stairs. But he just turns and goes, what? (laughs) (laughs) That might be one of my favorite. (laughs) It's just, it's not even strained. It's just, what? What? (laughs) But when Helen hits him over the head with another one, he starts to pass out. But they stop him from falling down the stairs and throw him instead onto the floor. Ernest wakes up looking at a stained glass ceiling of the creation of man. Thunder booms and lightning illuminates the glass. Ernest is dressed in a tux now. He looks down to see Liesel swimming in a huge pool. Her bodyguards enter and bring Liesel a dress as she emerges from the pool nude. And the nude body double is Catherine Bell. I did read that this was like the second thing Catherine Bell had ever done. Uh And she would go on to be like a main. It was like 205 episodes she did for Jag. Holy shit. And she does this like Hallmark series of movies. I think it's called like The Good Witch or something. Yeah. And so she went on to have a pretty decent career. I will say, though, that um, there were small moments that I forgot about this movie. This was not one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Of course not. But she apologizes for having to dress Ernest, but he wasn't dressed properly for the occasion. After toweling off, she slips into a grand dress, which is really little more than a cloak. She tells Ernest that she wants to give him the gift of youth and life forever. He stares in disbelief as she takes out the box with the onk. She tells him that she saw his wife and his friend and that he does beautiful work. It's interesting to me that she wasn't charging him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the implication here was, oh, you're going to do this for all of us, yeah. right? Just in case. Yeah. She asks for his hand and roughly stabs him in the finger with her dagger. <laughs> he doesn't react like it's that. It's not. No. <laughs> <laughs> A little more subdued. He asks what she's doing and with wide eyes, she tells him, I'm loving you. She reveals the potion and its puff of pink smoke. Just like with Madeline, she dips the dagger inside and rubs it against the cut on his finger. Ernest watches as the cut heals itself and his hand transforms. He compares it against the other and breathlessly says, oh, my God, Liesel thanks him. See, yeah, I, that's why I think it would be, have been better to make her older than 71. Yeah. Yeah. Because if she's as old as a god, yeah. who yeah. knows? 
I do think that she doesn't get enough credit for balancing it on the yeah it's magic she's done that twice yeah. now yeah <laughs> it's quite and it's incredible and her sales pitch is fantastic oh yeah, yeah. she just takes it too far it's just like yeah, yeah. madeline with the help me hurry up you went yeah. you just stop one sentence earlier yeah. you gotta like, that happens it. a lot yeah and her fucking it reminded me of when uh d and frank were trying to sell shit on sunny and they were like imagine this shoe is an unboned chicken yeah like yeah. that's <laughs> <laughs> that's her like finger prick and it is a great... You go too yeah, far. Yeah. You go too far. I'll, I'll buy it. <laughs> <laughs> so she hands him the potion saying that this is what he does. He stops time for people. He's Don Quixote tilting at nature's windmill. She gently coaxes him to drink it. It's the completion of his life's work. She goes hard telling him that while he gave others youth, he wasted his own. In the background, her bodyguards kneel... Yeah. As she tells him that he'll be able to work again forever. He stares at it as she continues to beg him to give himself another chance. He raises it to his lips as the thunder booms. Liesel throws her head back in triumph, proclaiming again, siempre viva, live forever. You should have just waited until he <laughs> yeah. This gives Ernest pause. He asks, and then what happens? He says that living forever sounds good, but he doesn't want that. What if he gets bored or lonely? He's just supposed to hang out with Madeline and Helen forever. Oh, God. <laughs> what if something happens to him? What if someone pushes him down? What if he falls down a flight of steps? <laughs> Almost incriminating. <laughs> <laughs> he saved it. Yeah. Liesel says that he'll never grow old, but Ernest says that everyone else will. Everyone he loves will get old and die. This just isn't right. It's not a dream. It's a nightmare. He's like, you all have to be stopped. Yeah. See, and <laughs> again, again what? <laughs> <laughs> he takes it a step too yeah. far. He could be like, you guys enjoy. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I respect what you're doing. Yeah. I will say that like this actually brings in what is frightening about the idea of immortality. Yes. Right. Because when you think about immortality, everybody always hangs on to the good, the good shit. Stuff, right, right. Yeah. But honestly, I mean, even like the human lifespan seems like a bit much sometimes. Yeah. But <laughs> so I couldn't fucking imagine being like, what even is forever? Right, right. You can't even It's unimaginable. Yeah. We can't we can't comprehend that. And I don't want to be like when if shit were to go down, like if fucking aliens were like, all right, now's our time. Yeah. And then vaporize everyone. Now you're just a pile of ash forever. Because <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> you can't die. <laughs> I'm just saying your body's still a body. Yeah. Right. And the aliens will come. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but Liesl yells at her bodyguards to get the potion away from him. But Ernest is like too fast. Yeah. <laughs> he throws the dagger across the room, which perfectly lands on the light switch Dude, and the lights go out. He's been darting it up yeah. for he forever. Has. <laughs> That's an arc, I think. <laughs> he flees from the room and Liesl tells her guards to relax because he won't get far, not at his age. Ernest stumbles into a party full of people. He maneuvers his way through trying to act nonchalant, but he bumps into Marilyn Monroe, played by Stephanie Anderson, Andy Warhol, played by Bob Swain, and Greta Garbo, played by Bonnie Cahoon. The orchestra finishes their song as Mr. Chagall steps in front of the <laughs> microphone. His eye is fixed. Yeah. Yes. He welcomes everyone, promising that Lisa will be down in a few minutes. Madeline and Helen applaud from the stairs next to Mr. Chagall. He warns those that faked their own death 
of their very strict policy against popping up to grab headlines. He promises not to name names, but everyone turns around and looks at Elvis, played by Rob Stein. He's like, I was just trying to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> Look, the second the second what I saw the other fuck? three stars, I was like, there's going to be an Elvis joke. Yeah. Oh, no. Eventually. Definitely. And I will say that I love this idea, like a fictional history, right? Yes. right. Where these stars aren't dead, yeah. right. they're still alive. I don't know. It makes me happy in a weird way. For sure. But Helen and Madeline spot Ernest in the crowd, and when Madeline points out that he still looks horrible, Helen sees him look at the potion in his hand before slipping it into his pocket. It made me laugh that he's like, "No, it's still yeah. here." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you did not need to take that out. Who was that for? <laughs> <laughs> for Helen. For us, I think. After one of Liesel's bodyguards whispers in his ear, Mr. Chagall tells everyone to gather around because Liesel is coming and he instructs that the room be sealed. When his exit is blocked, Ernest steps onto an elevator and presses a random button and ascends. Helen and Madeline watch from below, calling him an idiot. Ernest steps out onto another floor to be greeted by Liesel's dogs. He runs, barely making it through a door as the Wattweilers bite his coat. And he just takes it off. <laughs> they <laughs> you can got his it. ass. They did. This isn't even my time. Yeah. No. <laughs> I think he was, the dogs were mad that he used their elevator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they could jump through those holes if they oh, wanted yeah. to. Yeah. Like, they that were, was just they a, were like, and don't come yeah. back. <laughs> Shaking their paw. <laughs> But he runs out onto the landing outside. When he tries a door and finds it locked, he looks down at the deadly drop below. He sees another entrance, but realizes that he's going to have to scale the building to get to it. The score plays as Ernest begins to climb. This climb I have hated since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. What? Because it, I can't fuck the height. Oh, I thought you meant like visually. No. I'm like, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, I'm like five years old. Like, ah, it doesn't <laughs> look real. I mean, you were like 80 when you were five. Well, so. don't. That's none of anyone's business. <laughs> Mom did used to call me old man. Yeah. I think mom and dad. <laughs> oh, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. That's 100% of parents. <laughs> <laughs> but Helen and Madeline come outside, screaming his name and causing him to lose his footing. He slides off the roof, only held onto gutters by his suspenders. The gutters break loose from the mansion and swing toward the women. Helen tries to give him a sheer wrap to hold on to, but he misses and it just floats to the ground. Well, <laughs> even if he that didn't miss. Yeah, no shit. That wasn't yeah. going to carry you. No. Well, shit. Uh, Madeline's got superpowers and shit, so <laughs> who knows? Maybe. Madeline sweetly asks him if he still has the potion. He takes it out of his pocket and she tells him to drink it. It's the only way he'll survive the fall. The gutters pull more from the building as Helen tells him that if he drinks it, he can just put himself back together again. No, he can't. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Like, <laughs> they got to get him to drink it, dude. Ugh. He removes the lid and raises it as Madeline and Helen, increasingly more desperate, repeat, drink it, drink it. But they're like, drink it. Yeah. <laughs> See, I think this is the part that pisses me off because yeah. like. It's not about him surviving and living forever. It's like clearly, yeah. They only. It's just they're so damn yes. selfish, yeah. Brett. <laughs> like it's unbelievable that in her tone changes as they're chanting because they're yeah. like, "Drink it," and then <laughs> Madeline goes, "Drink it." Yeah, Wait. a lot like the wimp line. <laughs> yes, yes. because just as he's about to, Madeline goes, "You have to." Yeah, <laughs> see, too much, man. So this makes him pause, and Helen says, "We need." Need you. Ernest tells them he's sorry, but they're on their own. He drops it and it takes a long time before we hear it shatter below. They look down and then back up at Ernest, not concerned for him anymore. They're just fucking annoyed. 
Still hung by his suspenders, Ernest smiles at them until his suspenders break. He screams and his mouth doesn't match his mouth. I don't give a shit. No. Because <laughs> the scream is <laughs> it's like, Wah! but his mouth is just like, Whoa. it is. I, I was rolling. I was rolling. Yes. No. Yeah. And he falls for forever. He falls yes. for forever. And then he crashes through the stained glass ceiling and into Liesl's pool. Madeline and Helen look at each other and roll their eyes as they head back inside. Ernest swims to the edge of the pool as Jim Morrison, played by Dave Brock, stands with the woman who is undressing and is like, are you going to be done soon? <laughs> well, <laughs> Ernest yells that, yes, he's going to be done very soon. And then he breaks on through to the other side. No, uh, he's like, yeah. I was going to say that. <laughs> he's trying to light his fire. <laughs> sex right but i don't know why i can't explain it but every single time i watch this film i forget that he survives the fall i don't yeah (laughs) for some reason i'm like oh yeah damn now Ernest is dead yeah Yeah, that's just it i was like oh wow sucks but wet bleeding and limping Ernest jumps into a car when the driver's back is turned when he turns back around it's james dean played by eric clark i don't know for sure but is that the car that james dean died in his oh my spider. god oh all right because i was like that's a lot that's yeah, yeah. he's like no i'm still gonna yeah. drive <laughs> i love this car yeah but Ernest drives away just as helen madeline and liesel rush outside liesel tells them both that it would be best for them to get him back helen and madeline arrive at madeline and Ernest's mansion to fight with each other <laughs> helen says that they should have gone to the airport because she knew he wouldn't be here in the madness of the night madeline and helen are both peeling Madeline tries in vain to stick her paint back on as Helen says how embarrassing this is. They can't go back to Liesel because she specifically told them to take care of their bodies and now they're dead. Yeah. (laughs) Which, I mean, in her defense, Helen's had kind of a good run. Yeah. Madeline had one night. (laughs) (laughs) Not even a full night. No, dude. She had seven years. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about it too as well because as they're peeling, I'm like, man, Ernest's work is pretty shoddy. And then I was like, well, what the fuck was he supposed to do? Yeah. I mean, like, he did the, the best he the could. The work that he does, they're just lying there. These that women are true. running yeah, around yeah. fucking scaling yeah. build. Like, they're, they're doing too much. Yeah. That is fair. This is on them. Yes. But they sit with each other as Madeline says that this is just going to be about upkeep. They have to be careful and take care of each other. I paint your ass and you paint mine. They begin to laugh as Helen says how funny this is. Who would have thought that they would need and depend on each other, painting each other's asses day and night. But when Madeline says forever, the laughter stops (laughs) and the gravity sinks in. 37 years later, a eulogist played by John Ingle gives a eulogy at Ernest's funeral. I'm sorry. I laughed out loud because I love the idea of Ernest stealing James Dean's car and then just (laughs) disappearing for 37 years. Like, you never see this motherfucker again. That's amazing. Honestly, good for him. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He says that Ernest always said that life began at 50 Admitting that they know very little about his life before that age, he says that for him, it really was true. We see a picture of Ernest as we knew him, next to one of him as an old man. The eulogist says that at 50, Ernest met his wife, Claire, and had six children. He then spread his message of hope to his adopted children around the world. He continues describing Ernest's life as we pan to see two figures draped in black sitting at the back pew all alone. I do want to say really quick before we get to the real ending Mm -hmm. that 
when Ernest was fleeing, he was supposed to run into a bar. This was the original ending. Right. And meet a bartender played by Tracy Ullman. Of all people. I know. <laughs> and um, I guess they end up falling in love yeah. or whatever. And then the very, very end of the movie, it's him and Tracy Ullman married and happy and living their life. Uh-huh. And they run into Madeline and Helen who look like shit. Yeah, yeah. And so I guess it was supposed to be this morality thing of look what, happened to Ernest and then look what happened to the people who right, did right, take the yeah. potion and did value beauty and vanity and, and whatnot. But mm. all of that was obviously cut. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that they run into each other while, while, uh, him and Tracy Ullman are skiing or something. And so this is where they get the the picture of him old with yeah, like yeah. ski uh, oh, stuff okay. on for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> I did read that the reason they changed the ending was two reasons. One is because test audiences fucking hated it. Yeah. And the other reason was because Zemeckis said that it did not fit the tone of the film at it all. It doesn't. No. This, and it really doesn't. No. This does. Yes, 100%. It feels a little like cutesy. Like, what right, are they going right. to do when they fucking see each other? Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. It's just. Like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Fancy meeting you here. <laughs> I will say that I, I know Ernest. Look, Ernest did wrong. Yeah, he did. Whenever he left Helen for Madeline. Yeah. But I feel like he was the only person with any kind of goodness. Decency, yeah. Yeah, so I'm fine with him having his happy ending. Yeah. And also, he had all those kids, so the whole flaccid thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> Just for you, Madeline. Yeah, yeah. apparently. Because yeah. you're fucking mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But the eulogist talks about the Menville Marriage Counseling Clinic, the Menville Center for the Study of Women, Ernest's AA chapter, which will all live on after him. See, he did well. He yeah. did. The figures we see are Madeline and Helen with black veils over their faces. Madeline begins to laugh as she points out something in Ernest's pamphlet. She shares it with Helen and they both fucking laugh yeah. until people turn back and look at them and they stop. The photo of him old on the pamphlet I read that that was a makeup test for yeah. <laughs> And they just stuck it They're on like, there. It'll work, it'll yeah. work. And it does. But the eulogist speaks of Ernest's prankster side, the stories he would tell about the living dead in Beverly Hills. So he's just telling everyone? <laughs> he's yeah. like, no, I was fucking there. And James Dean I was there? Yeah. <laughs> in fact, that's his spider in my garage. No shit. <laughs> Helen begins to cry and Madeline is annoyed with her. As a kid, it was always in my mind, Madeline is mean and evil, but Helen was the good guy. Mm -hmm. Helen's also a piece of shit. But I do feel like she actually did love Ernest. Yeah. So, so. I mean, her crying, it's like sad because Madeline's like, are you fucking crying? (laughs) But Madeline is annoyed with her. Helen says that she just has something in her eye. But when she dabs her eye with the white tissue, it comes away stained with paint. She asks if Madeline has the paint with her, but she can't find it in her bag. She must have dropped it. They begin to argue, yelling at each other in the middle of the funeral. Finally, they start to leave. And as they're walking out, Helen can't bend her knees. (laughs) They've already (laughs) fucked themselves up. (laughs) They stop in their tracks as the eulogist says that Ernest found the secret to eternal life. He says that it's here in the hearts of his friends. Eternal youth is here in the lives of his children and his grandchildren. And in this way, Ernest will live forever. Madeline yells, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm like, dude, yeah. give it to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> we are having a funeral over here. I did. There was a moment of realization almost where you're there. She's like, oh, it's metaphorical. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I fucked up yeah. the whole potion thing. Yes. But <laughs> and it's immediately gone because she can't do that. Yeah. yeah. Not at all. And 
I feel like if I was at the funeral, I'd be like, are those the living dead in Beverly Hills? Yeah, that, that Uncle Ernest is like. <laughs> <laughs> but on the stairs outside, Madeline lifts Helen's veil and she looks like a runny, splotchy mess. Raising her own veil with a dented forehead and a bumpy face, Madeline tells her that she's all runny and she needs Bondo on her chin. They continue to the car, arguing over how Madeline could have lost an entire can of spray paint. They're arguing because she's like, I always have to carry it. You get to carry a little eensy baby person. <laughs> God, how you have them do touch-ups in public? Yeah. I mean, I don't God think they give us. Look at them. Yeah, that's true. They're, they look crazy. <laughs> But we do see that the can of spray paint did fall out of her purse and it's resting on the stair below where they're standing. Just before Helen steps on it, Madeline pulls her back to argue some more. Arguing over a time when Madeline lost her index finger, Helen steps on it and stops. Her heels propped up on the stairs just like Madeline's were when she fell. She asks for help, but when Madeline stops to ponder for a moment, Helen grabs her and they both fall. The fucking sound... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's that low. Madeline makes it. <laughs> it fucking kills me every time. Well, she didn't expect <laughs> it. Yeah. But they tumble down the stairs, and when they land at the bottom, they break into pieces. Helen's disembodied head rolls next to Madeline's, and she asks her, "Do you remember where you parked the car?" <laughs> and the credits roll. So, what did you guys think of Death Becomes Her? Uh, I really enjoyed this movie. Mm -hmm. uh, I know I said it earlier. Uh, it's just a cartoon made into a movie. <laughs> it's very silly. A lot of it is. I I don't want to necessarily say that if this was a different cast, this movie wouldn't work. But I feel like the cast here is perfect for what's going on here. They're also committed. To yeah. It, like oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you almost could say that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of hard to think of. Because, you know, there's movies that are people are like, oh, that's just shit. And it's got a small following. And then you watch it and you're like, no, I could see why people like this shit. Yeah. But so I can understand why people wouldn't enjoy this. But I, I mean, this movie's great. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? There's very little for me to complain about. Speaking to your uh, comment about the casting. Yeah. I saw an interview with Meryl Streep that said that she was sent the script and she read it and she laughed and she immediately yeah, yeah. was like, I'm in. And they were already, she had already signed on for a week before she realized that they wanted her to be Madeline. She thought she was Helen. Oh, oh shit. And I really cannot imagine anybody else playing Madeline no. Ashton. Like, yeah. <laughs> for her to not immediately be like, that's my role. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just crazy. But um, but yeah, I mean, I I guess you know what I mean. I it just it, it it is good to see Bruce Willis doing comedy because he's very funny in this movie. Yes. Um. Every everything kind of works, and I enjoyed the shit out of it. And if you've never seen it, I don't know Man. how. Yeah, watch it, buy it, whatever. Yeah. It's it's fantastic. I still think this is just so so good yeah oh yeah like i love it so much and i think it might even be better than i remembered it being yeah i think having to sit there and like he all the jokes that i didn't get as a kid mm -hmm. you know uh the nostalgia was powerful enough but now getting to appreciate it as an adult oh no yeah completely different i feel like also looking at how our society treats people getting older and treats beauty and how really if you look at the plastic surgery people are getting, how everybody is kind of like getting the same nose, the same yeah, ass. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like 
this was really ahead of its time in terms of the way that beauty is perceived, especially since Madeline's an actress and, you know, everything like that. And I, I think that, I mean... I still think the science is still kind of out on plastic surgery. <laughs> like I find wrinkles way more attractive than looking like a waxy cat. But I mean, you know, I mean everybody's got their own thing. Uh, yeah. I, I love cats as well. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> we don't discriminate. Against yeah, we cats. don't discriminate here. But um, I think that the greatness of it makes me forgive a lot of things that I normally wouldn't. Oh yeah. But uh, no, I still love this a lot. Yeah, I definitely. I can't say enough good things. Every every time I watch this. It's not, and I know every joke that's coming. I know every line that's coming. It's still so fucking funny mm. that I will laugh out loud. Like it is one of those movies that I could start right back after I finished it. Oh yeah. It just doesn't get old to me. There's something about it that's still as funny as I was able to understand when I was a kid. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it is never dulled. My appreciation is never dulled for it. But I guess we can go into ratings. I, I just can't. I loved everything about it. Right. Um, Those moments that aren't perfect really, to me, just add to it. The effects that they were able to pull off. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you guys, when I was like, it still looks great. You guys were like, meh. Yeah. I mean, it, to me, I'm, I, it surprises me that they were able to do what no, they yeah. did. Well, I think that a lot of times you have to look at things in the context of the time. Yeah. 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 Like there are some spots in the, the backwards head scene that a lot of people now, like if you showed it to somebody who has been watching like all these Marvel movies or whatever, yeah. even though I did point out something in a Marvel movie recently yeah. that was kind of <laughs> shitty. You did. It was not good. <laughs> but... <laughs> Um, I think that they would probably be like, oh, well, that blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But thinking about it in 1992, it looks amazing. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's shocking. Yeah. But it makes me sad to learn that it was not received the way that it should have been received. Yeah. Because goddamn, this is a fucking gem. Like, this is such a treasure of a film to me. <laughs> But it seems like a movie that either is one of two things. One would be immediately beloved uh-huh. by everyone. Or would be the cultiest of cult classic yeah. Yeah. films ever. Yeah. And so honestly, I think that I enjoy the cred that it gets now. Yeah, being like kind of snubbed at the yeah. beginning. Yeah. And then also winning an Oscar. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like the movie shit, the effects. Though. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> but I mean, I can sum it all up on a scale from one to 10 perilous pink potions. I am... <laughs> be surprised y'all oh god i'm giving death becomes her 10 out of 10 perilous pink potions i wish what? i know i calm down <laughs> i I wish i could give it more i'm not right, even gonna right. lie. this movie means so much to me it is so like such a staple i just mm. i love it so much mm-hmm. but i will now open up the floor um i i know i already talked about how much i like the movie and everything and but it it, it is one of those like I said, I feel like this should have been a B movie. <laughs> and it's it's because of all the silly shit, the nonstop silly shit that's going on. Mm-hmm. It's slapstick as fuck. Oh, and yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> but it's great. And the cast does fantastic. I mean, I, I mean, I don't... I guess like you said, really, like any of the negative stuff, I can't really even try to call it out or be like oh well that was fucking stupid because <laughs> i mean none of it was i was laughing the whole time every i even there was even times i paused to laugh because <laughs> yeah. i was like that's just fucking ridiculous I was like, uh, <laughs> but um 
I don't want to keep going in circles. And like I said, I know we kind of already uh, talked about how wonderful the movie is. But yeah, everything works for me. You never seen it. Go watch it. This isn't just a movie. This is a fucking good movie. Uh, for me, on a scale from one to ten, perilous pink potions. I'm gonna give Death Becomes Her a nine out of ten. Hey. I really, really enjoyed this movie for the slapstick, right? For the comedy, for like. And I get it. It's maybe not a hundred percent horror, but they're fucking zombies. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. They're pretty much zombies. They're corpsed. Yeah, they're murdered. Yeah, like, yeah I mean. it's like come on. Um, but it is this fucking movie is, and I agree. If we watch it, you could fucking put start over. Yeah, and watch it again, and it's very funny. Mm-hmm. I know I agree completely. I I just love the performances from this cast. Oh yeah, and the majority of them playing against type. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, that's incredible. Uh, I think that the writing is so witty, and I can't say enough about the effects. Mm-hmm. Even watching it, and it's literally thirty years later. Yeah, it's, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, maybe it's the anniversary. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Could be. Sure. Yeah, why not? Sure. Uh, but I think honestly, the only thing that I could say that's even negative at all, I think the satire could be a little more pointed. Right. Mm. But I mean, is that really that's it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you had to reach. Yeah. Yeah. I had to really <laughs> try to find something. Oh, the production design is amazing. Yes. yes. I love how all these mansions look like old Hollywood. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Fucking fantastic. Um, in all fairness, I came here with okay. Whenever I put it on my letterbox, which you should follow me on letterbox, <laughs> I put it at four stars and I watched it again to prepare for this. And I was going to, I didn't get to finish it. I was going to put it at 4.5 stars <laughs> out, of, out of five. But the more we talk about it, the more, you know, we kind of dig into it and the nostalgic factor that is built into this movie. Yep. I watched this movie. I am a child again. Yep. Understanding about half the jokes. But (laughs) I get them now, which only makes it better. So I think for me, on a scale from one to 10 perilous poison potions. Pink. God damn it. (laughs) Perilous pink potions. There you go. I am going to give Death Becomes Her 10. What? Perilous pink potions out of 10. When you can't think of really anything. Yeah, yeah. And it also has the pull of nostalgia. Right, I right. don't see how you can't. I'm thrilled. See, for me, that's where the point goes. Hmm. Ah, no nostalgia. Yeah. Fair. Well, it's not. I didn't see it all the time. But like I said, I remembered when I was younger. That's a funny ass movie. Yeah. And then watching it as an adult, you just appreciate more of the jokes. For sure. You appreciate what's happening there on there. I and I know you said with what was it Gremlins that right. you wished you would have seen it. Exactly. I wish this would have been a little more in the in rotation because like this and I know you said uh, what was it a uh, She Devil. That's another one that I really liked that I remember seeing a handful or more times <laughs> as a great. kid. But I yeah I remember I was like I know that movie's fucking funny. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean. And this is one of those movies I know this movie's it's not just funny it's fucking funny. Yes. Yes. And it's great. We had this on repeat. Thank you, Mom. Yes. Uh, and for years, I hadn't watched it, but revisiting it, I mm. can guarantee it will probably be on <laughs> repeat again. <laughs> 
But, and the only reason for that, thank you, Nay, for picking it. Hey, you're welcome. And uh, happy birthday. Well, thanks. Yeah, happy a week birthday, ago. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, no, don't talk <laughs> about it. It's June 20th. Yeah. yeah, everybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all from us at Podmortem. What would you rate Death Becomes Her and what should we watch next? Let us know on Twitter at the Podmortem. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Be sure to follow each of us on Twitter at Blood and Smoke, at RealStreeter84, and at TravisMWH. Please consider pledging to our Patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special shout out to our Wendigo Getter patrons. And remember, the true secret to an everlasting life is valuing the beauty and more than just yourself. Until next time. Thank you for staying tuned for a special thank you to our Wendigo Getter patrons. Yeah. You mean me? (laughs) That's going to be in my my head for the rest of the day. You should make that your ringtone. I should. I fucking should. (laughs) A very special thank you to Chris Ontiveros, Kristen Lofton, Megan Martinez, Kimberly Bass, Sophie Hodson, Anthony Jerome M., Jordan Nash, Kent Morton, Guy54, Lala Thomas, Travis and Nisa Hunter, Miguel Myers ATX, Mandy, Jennifer Perez, Pierre Lombard, Allison O'Neill, Carissa, TJ and Angie Bronson, Gabrielle Trevino, Spooky Mom, Andy Teague, Applin Ontiveros, Karima Rhodes, Antonio Huerta, Kimberly Kleindienst, Will Brown, Linda, Sydney Smith, Osvaldo Soto, Jonathan Booth, Bobby Holmes, Donna Eason, JD Rezac, Molly Gerhardt, Armand Spasto, Aaron Aguirre, Aggie, William Barry, Brittany Ramatar, Charity Oxner, Amanda Six, Mandy Rainwater, Eden, Jordan Roberts, Dylan, Melissa Sierra, Holly Bryan, Jordan Blevins, Michelle Moore, Liz Heath, Spencer Montalvo, Pancake the Panda, John Ramos, Michael Newding, Alexis Roberts, Dan Laveau, Itzy M, Gary Horton, Amanda Aliff, Leisha Olivier, Kate Lamp, Carlos and Sydney, Jessica Hunter, Helena Rudder, Alan Johnston, Nicholas Carter, Mariah, Livy Fun, Mandy M, Scott Troutman, Towton Watson, Mozzie Bear, Brittany G, Dave Burke, Adrian Stakes, and Craig Kowalski. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you so much. Yes, thank you. The fact that you're all here and supporting us. It's a miracle. <laughs> like uh, But like a real one, yeah. not like the fake dead. It was a fucking right. potion. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a miracle at all. <laughs> Until next time. <laughs>